Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the failed Blockbusters Retrospective Season 3. What would have been our season finale had we not decided to do two more episodes after this. Um, But this is the last of the episodes that our audience voted for. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me is my co-host, Matt Garingo. Yes, that is me. Hi. I think this was a very uh, strong Diego choice. Diego wanted to do Fantastic Mr. Fox. I did, but then it won, so it's okay. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how to rig elections. <laughs> yeah, what did it go up against? I don't even remember. Let's check. I bookmarked it for, for moments like this. But I also yes. bookmarked stuff afterwards. So hang on one second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not how bookmarks work. Yeah, I know, but I was like, I don't bookmark that much. And then Unless you're unless you have the pay the this is even remember like I know if you paid for Twitter before Musk took over, there's like a way to organize your bookmarks. Mm. That's what I heard. Oh, uh, ew! But also, um, it, Fantastic Mr. Fox went up against The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle from the year 2000. Oh boy! Yeah, Diego rigged that shit. <laughs> well, I, no, no, I I, I tally them up uh, according to Letterboxd uh, rankings. Yeah, so. we, we, there was a bit of a miscommunication <laughs> between us. Perhaps where I said you should go based on the letterbox. Uh, I I I don't know what word I must have used, but what I meant was we should go have movies that like have an equal number of views go up against each other, not similar scores or whatever. Yeah, that that's and, the one uh, right there. That's that's the Wait, are you telling me the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle has a simpler score on Letterboxd? No, 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 no. Uh, so how you do a bracket is you got to when you see it, you got to do it like um you know the the highest to the lowest, right? To kind of narrow it down. But we weren't doing a bracket. <laughs> I know, I know. But I just, I operated it like that anyways, and I thought it would work out, and... Yeah, it didn't. It, sometimes it did, because then you got Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, we got, yeah, you know what, like, I was surprised by some of the choices. Yeah, um, no, 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 this, is, this ended up going well. We'll see how well it goes today. This has been a good series. This was kind of the only one I was, I was dreading a little bit. Um, well, you're welcome. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh... I guess we could just kind of jump into the episode. Do you, do we want to save what, like, the deal is after this for later? Like for what we're doing next? Yeah. Yes, let's save it for the end of the episode, like we've been doing. Okay, I just you know I, I don't know because <laughs> I, I, I know you you may not have that you much even to add today. Diego, I've I've been doing this podcast thinking you know what you're doing, and I've steadily started to realize <laughs> you know about as much as I do. Oh yeah, that's usually how it goes. Yeah. So, yeah, no one knows what they're doing. Everyone is just making it up as they go along. No, but I you know who knows what they're doing is that that musky guy. No. He, he knows what's up. He's a he's a genius. If you he's got think all the money. if you think Elon Musk is a genius, you should kill yourself. Whoa, yeah, that's a little much. I don't think it is. I don't think it's enough, but I here's no, here's something. There's a very successful propaganda campaign going around that guy, right? Uh-huh. Because we live in a world where our leaders are refusing to do anything about global warming. 
And then he comes out and is like, we're all going to Mars, bitches. <laughs> and if you're desperate and you're a Gen Zer and you want to you wanna know you have a future, you're going to line up behind any guy who's offering any solution. Yes, that is true. So it's, it's, I, I honestly believe the people that still like Musk are people that are either uh, grifters or they don't know him well enough, right? Like, you got to be a little naive. Because there was certainly a point, like, I was never like Team Musk, but I was also like, eh, it's kind of cool, I guess. He's making cars. Like, I wasn't thinking much about it. Like, Yeah, I always kind of kept him at an arm's distance. And I remember people being like, oh, yeah, we're big Elon Musk fans. And I'm like, are we? Like, I don't know that much about him. Yeah. You know, and, and look, I, I haven't always had the best judge of character, but I think I've had a, a good enough judge to be like, mm, hold up, but I don't, I don't know about this guy. So, yeah. Something... Something is 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 not. I can't endorse something here, and I don't know what it yeah. is. Anyways, I was well, right. Li- literally, all I knew about him for the longest time was that he was like launching rockets and making cars, right? Yeah, and he had yeah. he had a flamethrower. Like, I didn't know any. I didn't know any of that though. Like that, if had I known that from the start, I never would have given him any time. Like, like that's that's a red flag is having a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh. Did you ever see? Did you ever see Foxcatcher? Do you remember that movie Foxcatcher? Yes. Uh, we've talked about it because the guy lived near me. Um, yes. <laughs> and like, remember, like how he's of like so he rich, did. he's just like, he's like straight up buying tanks and stuff like that, like from mm-hmm. the military, like military, like that's that's what rich people are. Like they just get surplus stuff and they think it makes them cool in the way where like if if there was just a guy out there who like he like just bought a flamethrower somehow and he was just like a regular dude i'd be like that's kind of interesting i mean it's good to have hobbies but like if you're rich like anything you do isn't cute anymore because like really all it means is that you just have a lot of money and connections yeah right like any sort of stunt like that isn't cute so that should be a red flag anytime a billionaire is doing stuff like that where it's just like clearly they draw attention to themselves that should be a red flag yeah Uh, i do want a flamethrower um but the, the one yeah, from I, Alien. Oh, well, that's just because you're fucking a nerd. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that probably costs like tens of thousands of dollars, if not a hundred thousand dollars. So. You know what? I They should. They. I know they're doing like an Alien TV series. Yeah. Fucking, and like, who cares? Yeah. Noah like, Hawley. No one's going to. No one's going to watch it. But. Um, I. They should do an Alien 5 that is just like clone Ripley trying to put her life together now that everything's over. Like it should just be like a, a two hour Cassavetti film. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause, cause like, totally those movies evolve very far away from what the first movie is. And yeah. that's not exactly what you're getting at, but, you know, to get back to that 70s style filmmaking, you know, like that's the, mm. that's not that's yeah, the, kinda... the other area, not the horror area of the 70s. That's the drama area. And it's like, that's exactly what I was intending to bring it full circle. It <laughs> was entirely what I was attempting to do. And I just, you know what is the thing I've been, uh, because Fincher has been in the news lately. Um, oh, what'd he, he do? Uh, hey, what are you going to do? Who knows what's going on with that guy? That was just a weird thing that happened. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I, like, I was thinking about Alien 3 where it's, like, I should hate that movie, but, like, I really enjoy it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of, and I, I think that way about all Fincher films where they kind of represent the opposite of what if I believe about art and life <laughs> in general. 
but I still like I can't I have to give it to him because he is a good filmmaker and um although even his process like rubs me the wrong way but that's a whole other story mm-hmm. uh but like there's a the, the big hang up I have with Alien 3 that stops me from like being like full fist pump about it is like that Ripley dies in the end of it you know mm-hmm that like and i'm like this woman went through too much to have it end that way <laughs> like mm-hmm. and, like i'm like yeah it's a horror franchise i get it but also like she put she went through way too much especially that movie specifically mm. like it's it's uh, like i and then, like, i remember very vividly i just want to say like your response to that when we did that episode way back when uh <laughs> is i i i think it's the response i i, I really agree with like it does suck that one of the few female action heroes dies. <laughs> like, it just does. Yeah. Uh, even though I think that movie is, is terrific on basically mm-hmm. almost every level, um, minus the obvious hangups. Like, and I think that ending works for that movie. It's just like in the grand scheme of things. Like, oh, yeah, that, yeah. Does, that does put a bad that's taste a, in your mouth. That's a weird one where I don't know how you end it like i don't know what the other ending is you know like yeah i i, I think that story does kind of need her to mm. die but it's, mm. also, it's also like fuck like other people should have picked up the slack and they just like never let them you know yeah there's a lot there's honestly i i rewatched alien 3 recently there's a lot still wrong with that movie as good as it is mm-hmm. that is only the studio's fault for picking a release date and being like you have to hit this yeah but uh, it's funny that like the assembly cut puts a lot of stuff back in it like fixes problems that were in the theatrical cut but then it like creates all new problems that don't make sense and but hey no pictures <laughs> no pictures um do you get the sense here's something weird about it so like you can tell that that was a movie like famously they started filming without a script right yeah uh well they had scripts feels... and then they're like yeah, I don't yeah. know here's like kind of one we can start with yeah yeah, we spent way too much time thinking about the wood planet, so now we have to make up for the slack other places. Um, but, what was I going to say? Uh, it feels like at one point the idea was going to be Ripley's in this prison, right? Like, mm-hmm. And she, she has the alien in her, you know? Yeah. Um, that's why the alien won't kill her. It feels like they're almost, they're, like, it's, I'm glad they didn't do this, but this feels like the obvious route they would have taken where, like, the alien is almost protecting Ripley from the evil prisoners, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like that's what the idea was, and then at some point they just they either just didn't do it, or they were like, "This is a bad idea." Like, yeah, and it's a weird movie, it, man. It is a very strange movie. They'll never make another sequel like that ever again. Yeah, and well, they sh- they kind of shouldn't. But, yeah, like, uh, it, I mean, wait, wait, what are you talking about? They made Alien Covenant. That is pretty similar to Alien Three tonally, yeah. That's a pretty miserable yeah. movie. And if and if you if you think if Alien Three makes me miserable by the end, then you fucking know how I feel about Covenant. Like so, that's one of the most yeah. Like honestly, that's such a disgusting ending. That movie. I'm sorry. Anytime I, that movie even goes back into my brain, I'm just like, God damn, what the fuck? Now this like, is a good time to pivot back to Fantastic Mr. Fox. Just yeah, because so I want to s- about something else. Uh, yes, but also, it is very clear that you have little to add to this discussion today. Um, really? Yeah. <laughs> you you told me this. I, I'm not throwing you under the bus. You, you were texting no, me no, like, yeah, you better yeah. fucking have something. <laughs> um, 
Fantastic Mr. Fox, released in 2009, directed by Wes Anderson. Uh, Matt, what is your history with Wes Anderson? Um, I saw The Life Aquatic when I was way too young and just didn't understand it. Yeah, uh, same, same. I think we brought up that movie specifically yeah. as like, what? And then we saw it again, and it was really good. You know what, now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not really sure what my Wes Anderson arc is. Um... I know I saw the uh, the Darjeeling Limited at one point, like early on, mm-hmm. um, and then I I circled back to the Royal Tenenbaums at some point, and I saw Bottle Rocket once, Rushmore once. Um, I had an English teacher who hated Rushmore. No, oh. uh, um, it was a I took a public speaking class, and one of the things we had to do um, was like we had to. We had to speak about a movie we didn't like. Was one of the options because I think they're like, yeah, you guys are teenagers. I'm sure you have complaints. <laughs> um, and uh, she brought up Rushmore as an example of a movie she hated. And um, yeah, Wes Anderson's uh, been a guy who I'm just like, yeah, these guys are cute. And then I don't really get much more out of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I did see. Uh, I really liked. Moonrise Kingdom and uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, which I saw both of those in theaters. And um, Grand Budapest was a weird theater experience, though, where I felt like I was the only one laughing oh. throughout most of the, that movie. So I was with a bunch of old people. It was one of those like award crowds things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no strong opinion or take on Wes Anderson. And uh, his last few films I've kind of just watched and been like, all right, sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't, like, there is no, other than it looking really cute, I'm kind of like, yeah, sure. Like, fine. (laughs) Like, I, you know, I really, I have nothing, I don't, I, 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 I guess I understand people who love this stuff more just because I can understand loving something kind of niche, right? Which he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really understand how he generates such anger in people because <laughs> I don't... I Because I, maybe it's just because I don't get his movies because I watch them and I'm just like, how do you hate this? There's not really much going on here. like, And he seems to do the same things over and over again. <laughs> Including this movie. Um... I think a big part of why people get upset is like, you know, we, we talked about like the pop cultureisms leaking into actual pop culture, like dialogue and characters where everyone's like so fucking cute now. And like, they try to like have every character be like witty and like riff and stuff like that. Right. And everyone's trying to trace back like, was it Edgar Wright? Was it Dan Harmon? Was it Joss Whedon? And it's like, it's probably a mix of all three, but it's, it's not their fault specifically. Other stuff might be their fault specifically, but like, you know, it's just like it, it, it's, it's just the next generation of writers kind of picked up their but like you methodology. Wes Anderson in with those people? No, like... but I think a lot of other people do because his stuff, his characters are very like witty and dry. You know, it's, it's dry. It's very dry. But I, and I think just people see like oh quirky, and it's like they kind of stop there. They never engage with the material. You know, um, yeah. Which is, like, fine. You don't have to, like, like this stuff. But I do think it's a false reading of his stuff. 
you know. I just I just don't get it. Like, yeah. I well, know. I mean, the entire like independent film scene of the last decade, uh, not really so much anymore, maybe, and I just missed it. But like, everyone kind of tried to do the Wes Anderson thing without doing his thing. Did they? I mean, like, yeah. Are you talking more about like the the bat, the bottle rocket type stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah, there was definitely more. I mean, I guess you could you trace like Mumblecore back to that, like. It, it feels like Mumblecore might be like a weird, like, evolutionary extension of the early Wes Anderson. Yeah, stuff. it's sort of like a subgenre of the attempts at becoming Wes Anderson. You yeah, know? it's like him and, like, early Jim Jarmusch. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know what? Two. I never thought of that, but Wes Anderson and Jim Jarmusch, like, there, there's some, there might be some crossover there. But I love Jarmusch, so I don't know what... Oh, yeah. They, you, they, they, you loved uh, The Dead Don't Die, right? Oh, yeah. Dead Don't Die is fantastic. Yeah, that's... That's Jim Jarmusch's take. Mars Attacks. Oh my god. <laughs> it, it's 100% that. We gotta do Mars Attacks so I can make that point one of these days. Alright, alright. I mean, you could put the dead don't die also. We could. I mean, yeah, but I do, I'd like to do Mars Attacks more. Alright, alright. Um. Uh, yeah, good movie. Dead don't die. <laughs> um, I really, yeah, that was one uh, people came out of like ready to fucking kill each other over it and I was like, I don't know what people are talking about. That was excellent. So... <laughs> Tom Waits is like a homeless man. And he finds Moby Dick. <laughs> you know, it's definitely a feature film. Yeah, made by one of our great artists. Yeah. Uh, that's the funny thing with him, where he started doing like kind of more genre stuff. And one of his things was, uh, I know when Only Lovers Left Alive came out, he was like, "You could literally get like they will greenlight anything vampire related right now." <laughs> like <he was laughs> just like if you just say you're doing a vampire movie, and I know he did the same with Dead Don't Die and Zombies. Like it was oh like yeah, the peak of still greenlighting zombie things. We should do so. a Jarmouche at some point because like he is yeah, a fucking amazing filmmaker. But he's a hard one to really know what to do though because he's like he's kind of always like his bu- budgets are so low he doesn't really do flops that often. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's hard to say his movies are awards contenders. Um, although another guy that has worked with Bill Murray a few times, um, I think less so than Wes Anderson, obviously. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say just really quick, if I'm throwing something in the ring, Only Lovers Left Alive's kind of a failed award contender because that one got heat. Like I oh, remember yeah, that, that one, one was... really. That that's kind of how I discovered Jarmouche. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, either that or Ghost Dog. I knew about Ghost Dog for a while, <laughs> and then I watch I it and I'm like, oh, it's so fucking good. <laughs> I can't remember. There's some fucking movie. It, it, this is gonna be. It might have been like Anaconda on VHS. One of, <laughs> what? Like, a really, a really shitty movie like that had a trailer for Ghost Dog: Way of the Samurai before it. Like, well, Ghost Dog: put... Way of the Samurai sounds like something that would be in the vein of Anaconda, and then you watch yeah, that's it what's and funny. you're like, yeah, "Whoa!" <laughs> to think that movie was like advertised. I remember that one where it was like. I can't, like the trailer was something like he's a warrior in his own way. Like I had like a shitty narration to it, and then you watch the fucking movie, and you're like, "Oh, I I would not have guessed that's what this was." Yeah, <laughs> excellent movie, but still, yes. like, uh, but I, I just I vividly remember growing up with that. Yeah, so. uh, Ghost Dog, shot by the legendary late Robbie Mueller, R.I.P. Mm. King, um, one of the greatest cinematographers ever. Worked with Jarmusch a couple times. Basically, we got to do an early Jarmusch at some point, so I can also talk about Robbie Mueller. <laughs> I, yeah, we can do that. I adore. We got to find the one. What one has like all that and Tom Waits in it? So we can also talk about the weird acting career of Tom Waits. Uh, coffee and cigarettes are down by law. I, I guess coffee and cigarettes. Have you not seen like, Down by Law? 
Um, no, I've seen Down by Law. Oh, okay. Um, okay. That's an excellent little movie. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, it's one of those things where I, I feel like, like, again, with Wes Anderson, where everyone watches their early stuff, and then everyone in film school is like, I can do that. Yeah, and it's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 he's a rare one, and these guys are the rare ones. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like the, the David Lynch thing, you try to make something experimental, and it's just like, wait, wait, what have I done? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's not, uh, like, he he's coming at it not from the filmmaking side directly, he's coming at it from, like, the, the painting side and all that shit. Um, I, I guess here's another question, it, Jarmusch, David Lynch... Uh, Wong Kar Wai and Wes Anderson are these like the guys people try to like emulate the most when they're starting out like filmmaking wise you think like at least these, this uh, new generation obviously I don't know I, I, I'm i not as tapped into like the like independent film scene as other people you know mm-hmm. um, although I, I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus but I was reading an article about some independent film festival recently and um the people in charge of it sounded really obnoxious. They didn't come across very well in the interview, I felt. Oh. Um, and, well, I mean, it's like, you know, like, you watch fucking Cassavetes and you're like, I could do that. Because it looks so simple, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and you're like, no, it's, you need to have some of the greatest actors of their generation in the movie as well. Um, <laughs> well, you but... could probably make Shadows. Have you seen Shadows? I mean, yeah, yeah but just, like, like I love Cassavetes. You know, yeah. it's it's his first movie. It's very yeah, clearly his first starts. movie. That's all. We all got to start somewhere, and there's yeah. like a big gap between Shadows and his next movie. So, yeah. Like, yeah, but then the rest of his stuff um, is like all timer. So, yeah, but I don't know. I'm not as tapped into um, independent filmmaking. It feels like it's like that, or like you try and make a horror movie. Like those are the two options. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, really quick, Cassavetes. If you've seen Shiva Baby. That's I, I think that's uh, Emma Emma Seligman as the director. Mm. I think that's her trying to do like a Cassavetes thing. Um, I've heard people said like this. This looks like a good start to a career. Like even people who don't like it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Does that person have a new movie coming out? Yeah, uh, Emma Seligman just released uh, Bottoms. Oh, okay. Which people, people, people seem to really respond about. to, and that that cast yeah. is amazing. You know, so I, yeah, I really want. Although watch whoever it. I saw a trailer for it. And whoever's advertising it should be shot because it. it I feel like the tr- the ad I saw would just make people hate the movie before they even seeing it. Yeah, and I, I so. thought it didn't look very good either, and I was like, oh, that's a bummer because I, I I did like Shiva Baby, and I want to I want to see this director grow, you know. Um, and I guess the film is like more like Heather's and more like 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 it's not a grounded, realistic film. Like it's 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 going for like. Mm-hmm. The broad strokes of an American sex comedy, not like a real, like grounded thing, and maybe they just don't know how to sell it. Which again brings us back to Wes Anderson. Yeah, because uh, yeah. I've heard very good things about Bottoms, and like Wes Anderson stuff. I feel like if he started nowadays, the studios would just be like, "How the fuck do we sell this?" What they'd be pulling their hair out and shit, and it's just like, "I don't just sell the movie. It's not that hard." Um, you're just idiots, you know, like. Well, I, you know, I, I honestly don't, I don't know how marketing really works, you know. Um, I actually, I, there's, there's few sectors of the film industry that I just absolutely detest. <laughs> and anytime I read about marketing, it's like the one sector I have like zero respect for in any way. <laughs> and it's mainly because um, I, 
all right. So like I read, I, I've talked about this book, I, I believe on this uh, series too, uh, The Men Who Would Be King about the founding of DreamWorks. Yes. And um, kind of the early years, the disastrous early years of DreamWorks. And they run into so many problems with marketing where they're like, we can't greenlight this movie because marketing doesn't know what to do with it. And I'm just like, how can marketing have that much power? It's their job to market the movie. Yeah. Like, I can't think of any other group in the film industry where they just go, like, you go, hey, marketing, market this movie. And they can just go, we can't. Like, that's, it's your job. Figure <laughs> it out. Like, how do those people have that much power if their main job is basically being like, we can't do our job? Like, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that infuriates me. <laughs> I wonder like, if that's, like, the evolution of, a, like, tech bros and Wall Street guys getting into the film industry, too. You know, yeah, but like the marketing people have had had that sort of power since, like the eighties, even. You know, like yeah, that's about, that, like, that's true. They've had they've kind of had like a long arc, but that but the, like the seventies and eighties are when the conglomerates start buying studios. You know, mm-hmm. um, we talked about that with Heaven's Gate, with Transamerica buying uh, United Artists um, for a period of time. Um, I didn't mention that episode that at one point. Uh, early on, Transamerica was trying to change the name of United Artists to Transamerica Pictures because they thought it would be uh, more syner- synergetic or whatever the fucking term would be. Oh yeah, everything's got to be about synergy. Corporate yeah. synergy, baby. The lifeblood of this country. Yeah, synergy might as well be just called making it look like I'm doing something even though I'm not. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's looking like you're working without actually working. Yeah. My genius idea, I'm going to buy a company, and then I'm going to make people pay for stuff they didn't pay for before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the new business model. Uh-huh. It's flawless. Because what are they going to do? Not use my platform that I just bought? Impossible. <laughs> do you think he's really going to do that? I think he's going to try. And I, I, apparently the, the actual full quote, because I believe it was in a different language that was translated, um, it was just talking about, having like tiered subscription services for people that do pay for Twitter. Like there is something like that. Like there already is something like that in place with Twitter. So I just assumed he was like talking about like expanding that. Like that's still pathetic, but Oh, absolutely. Absolutely pathetic. Um, everything about that man is utterly pathetic and worthless, but, and I'm sure he, he would even like try to get everyone to pay for Twitter. And then that, that would a hundred percent be the thing that Twitter, like, like got Twitter killed. Yeah, I mean it's that or getting rid of blocks. Like he's like those two things would straight up just kill Twitter. Yeah, like, yeah. If he went through with it, I mean, and not even just it, it's one thing for like the users to balk at it, but like I I have to imagine advertisers wouldn't be happy with that either. You know. Yeah, I mean that's probably why they're floating around so much of like the paid subscription service to Twitter. It's because the advertisers had like they just left basically because it's like yeah, they, they can't like make money here. There's there's too much bullshit in the mix now. Yeah. Musk, Musk, I mean, he's a he's a petulant child, so, like, he yeah. doesn't like having to answer to anyone, and uh, he has to answer to advertisers, because they're the, literally the only ones paying for things right now, yeah. so, <laughs> uh, and he's desperately trying to find another revenue stream, and it's just, even if he finds it, it's never going to be enough to support Twitter the way he wants it to. Yeah. Uh, so, what a, what a wild journey this has been. Oh, it's been hysterical and depressing. Yeah. Uh, I am it's surprised that Twitter's, like, hung in as long as it has. Yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, could, like, could it really, you know, it feels like it can't go away for a little while longer. Like, it might be like a dead site for a bit, but it's got to limp on 
for a while. I'm yeah. not sure how long Musk will hold on to it. Um, but like you know, it's like like GeoCities went away at some point, mm-hmm. you know. And but like that was like after a decade of very like decreasing inactivities. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas uh, I feel like he's just gonna like at some point when when whatever his contract is for how long he has to hold on to Twitter for when he sells it, he's just gonna sell it to like even worse people. Mm-hmm. So. Or he'll sell it to uh, Truth Social. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those guys definitely have money. Oh, yeah, you know what? That is the other thing, is that like no one actually has the money anymore. Uh-huh. So, did you hear, like, the fucking... The... We'll go back to Wes Anderson. I don't know how, but we're going to try to pivot. Um, but did you hear, like, he had that meeting with, like, Russian oligarchs or whatever? And Oh, yeah. And they were like, and, and... oh, you don't have money for that little boy or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus they mocked him. And, but now he's also under investigation for those meetings because of how he's been affecting, like, Ukraine and shit, like, with his Starlink. Oh, God. Um, did I tell you? Did I tell you I saw the Starlink the other night? Did you see that whole saga full, uh, unfold on my Twitter feed? I did not. So the other night, um, my dad's out there. He's he's doing a bonfire because he likes to do that. And uh, he calls he calls me. He's like, "Hey, you gotta come outside. There's something crazy in the sky." And he says this shit all the time. Oh. So, so I run outside. And, but he, there was like a little more urgency in his voice. So I went out there and I see like a string of lights go through the sky. And I was like, the fuck was that? Like, I for, like, about a good, like, 15 minutes, I thought I had a genuine UFO encounter. Mm-hmm. And I posted it, and then I was getting people responding, being like, I'm all the way up in Buffalo, and I saw it. Like, no one knows what it is. Yeah. And it was like, holy shit. And eventually someone chimed in and was like, it's just the Starlink. And I was like, that motherfucker. <laughs> it ruined my night. Like, this, this guy can do that. So. Oh, I'm sorry. What a, what a piece of shit. And you know what? He literally, that's he literally sold the sky to these people. I don't know if we talked about it in the Nope episode, but like those, those like those weird lights in the sky, or like those those lights that are kind of they look like a cloud, almost or whatever, mm. right? Like they're like smoke mm. trails, uh, not chemtrails, you fucking weirdos. Uh, like smoke trails, but like that are really sh- bright and shiny. Like that's happened like once a year here, and it's just SpaceX bullshit. Yeah. Like, everyone gets it's excited, and then it's like, oh, yeah. All UFO stuff is, like, either private enterprise or the fucking military doing some shit. Like, that's all. That's always what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what most of our UFO sightings are. So, but, hey, what a fun time to be alive. Yeah. You know what else is fun? You mentioned that you saw the Grand Budapest Hotel, and people were just, like, not laughing along with it. I think that's one of the funniest movies of the last two decades. I know, that's a... That's a really funny movie. I, I don't know what was going on with that crowd. She was murdered. Um, and you think I did it. Yeah, that's and they run like, it's fantastic. so funny. Yeah. That shot's fantastic. Um, that is Wes Anderson's biggest success at the box office. Mm-hmm. $25 million budget. It was a surprise crossover hit. Like, although, did you get... I had so many relatives asking me, being like, what do you hear about this crater city? And... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't get that this time. I had so many relatives <laughs> that like would never see that type of movie, and uh, like we should go see it. And I'm like, I don't know if that would be up your alley, and but um, yeah, I had a lot of people asking me about Asteroid City for some reason. So, which I just saw which, the night before which recording. Is, it recently crossed uh, the fifty million dollar mark, so it's it's basically doing okay. It broke even. 25. Yeah. <laughs> It literally just I mean, broke I, even with that. Yeah. 
So good for them. Yeah. Huh. Dear alien yeah. who art in heaven, lean and skinny about six foot seven. That little that kid movie, cracked me the fuck up. That movie left me silent for the whole time. Aww, okay. I had no idea what I was supposed to be getting out of any of that. Oh, okay. That one, like, it completely, that one, like, genuinely baffled me. <laughs> and, like, there's the big moment with the uh, acting class and the alien walking towards the camera. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's supposed to be, like, this big moment. And I'm like, where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one, like, yeah, that one really... Kind of, like, there's a lot... There were a lot of jokes in it that made me laugh, obviously. But, mm-hmm. like, as, in terms of, like, what else I was supposed to get out of it, I was like... All right. Well, here. The, I, I, I do want to talk about Fantastic also, Fox. But maybe this is just an excuse for me to talk about all of Wes Anderson. Because I don't know if we'll do yeah, it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, because we what what the fuck else? But also, I've kind of realized I kind of hate like these movies that are like actually it's about quarantine. Oh like, yeah, this every... one is, is kind of that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, hey, uh, the being stuck at home thing is a reality for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. like, just because you had to sit home for six months, probably you fuck, doesn't mean this was this profound experience for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, those 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 movies are rubbing me the wrong way. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, to uh, be fair, so. it, um, the film officially entered production in September of 2020. Uh, uh-huh. it, he was working on it before that. I, I don't think it was directly a response to that. Like, the quarantine thing, that's only kind of, like, one like the, one half of the movie. You know, it's not it's not the entire purpose of it. It, it is kind of. I will say, there's definitely so it, bleed over at a certain point. So it but, entered into production during the pandemic. Yeah. They're okay. like, all right, we're doing it. And then it's like, you know, you can't. That makes it all better. It, it entered. Well, but he, he was going to work on it beforehand. He would have worked on it beforehand. It, it wasn't like yeah, a response yeah. to it. So. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That movie. And, and I felt similarly about French Dispatch, um, which was like, all right. Um, <laughs> I really liked French Dispatch. I, I loved Asteroid City, though. Um yeah. I, so I, what is what's the deal with that movie then? I I will talk about Grand Budapest Hotel really quick because I think that's kind of I think he's doing the same thing there, like that Russian nesting doll of storytelling stuff, right? Well, yeah, I like I like that, but also like I was kind of like when it, when they did Asteroid City, I was like, all right, buddy, we've we've done this. <laughs> I kind of. Well, like... I, I think it's just like him taking that approach, like that. I think that's just his approach now. <laughs> Like he's ex- yeah. he's trying to like express certain ideas or emotions that he can only express through like movies, but then the the movies are also kind of about how he can only do that through movies, like specifically Asteroid City, like through the, through the storytelling, uh, be it a telecast, a play, like what he's sharing is fictional, but the emotions are real. That's kind of just like the the end result of the entire film for me, right? Like there's you know, there's more stuff know, going on there yeah, besides yeah. that, but yes. You know, the most important thing in life is to have dreams. Nope, nope, and nope. Making art is kind of like dreams, and I make art, and therefore I do the most important thing on Earth. No, no, I don't think he's saying that. Yeah, yeah. No. But, like, Grand Budapest Hotel is kind of, like, also a movie about, like, the collapse of the British Empire. No, <laughs> like, no, and, and yes, of course, in the, the rise of fascism. Like, that, uh, Grand yeah, Budapest Hotel like, is about uh, so much fucking shit. I think Asteroid City is, too. Like, I kind of... I'm not where you are, where you're just like, I, I don't know what to get out of this. 
I do think it is like too much to get on a first viewing. Like I do want to watch it yeah. again, like as soon as and possible. As a movie that made me go, Good God, there's an hour left of this thing. I don't think I'm gonna be rewatching it anymore. Oh soon. no. See, I watched it on Peacock. I did not get to watch it in theaters, so I paused it at a certain point to go to the bathroom and I was like, Oh my god, I'm forty five minutes in. I thought I was like 15 or 20 minutes in. So I had the exact opposite response as you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Also, it's kind of, it's, it's maybe about the fear of nuclear Holocaust. No. Well, every, every filmmaker right now is making movies about the end of the world. I wonder why. Yeah. But but like even, even, you know, movies are dreams. Artists are a bunch of ineffectual libs, so <laughs> they can they don't know how to, to save the world other than making art about it. So a lot of their themes are like, man, it's weird things that seem like they're falling apart right now. Uh, we're still trying to find the guy who did this. Uh, <laughs> we're all trying to find the guy who did this and give him a spanking. <laughs> when it's like... Um, you know, instead of making these movies, you could make a movie that just lists uh, the names and addresses of all the oil executives on the planet, and that would help a lot more. Well, that's that's what that's going to be an Aquaman too. I mean, that would be interesting. That would be James Wan just reads a list out from the camera, and he's like, "And here are their addresses." Yeah, but <laughs> do with that what uh, you will. <laughs> but you know, so uh, yeah, Asteroid City. Um, you know, the real problem with uh, the end of the world, Diego, is having to talk to your kids about it. That's that's the real struggle there. It seems to be a recurring thing I'm noticing in some art. Being like, how do we explain to the future generation what we did? I know, and it's like, like everyone... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, maybe try something to stop it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know that poster they had with, uh, it was like, a, I think it was a World War One rec- like propaganda poster for like America. Mm-hmm. And it's like a little kid asking their father, like, Daddy, where did you fight in the Great War? Like, you don't want to be the father that said they didn't fight. Like, <laughs> so do that, but for fucking global warming. I know, I know. Daddy, what did you do to stop global warming? But, hey. Well, son, there's a reason I'm in a state penitentiary. <laughs> no. <laughs> there you go. There you go. What? Just calm down. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, um, we're very off the rails right now. Um, you know who worked in Asteroid City? Who also worked in Fantastic Mr. Fox? Basically, half the cast, uh, but also yeah. co-director Mark Gustafson, who directed the little alien sequence, because there's an alien in Asteroid City, and he's my favorite guy ever of all time. He just... I, I, yeah, there was an alien. I loved, I loved the alien. Um, there sure was an alien in Fantastic, in a fucking Asteroid City. Yeah, not one in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, but... and, and Mark Gustafson's co-director. He also co-directed uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. But is he credited on this one? No, he he's um, he's kind of like additional directing credits. I don't know what yeah. the deal is there, but originally. Tom Selleck was going to co-direct this. Yeah, Selleck was going to do it, and he left to do Coraline. I know that happened. Yeah, which, I mean, hey, that's and, fine. <laughs> that's a great movie. And uh, and uh, Selleck and Wes Anderson in the same room together might have been a bad idea. You think but, so? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, Selleck's kind of... Selleck comes across 
interesting in interviews <laughs> um as a bit of an intense guy mm. <laughs> so i don't know what it would be like uh he like uh he, i read some quote of his where it was like Yep, Wes is still angry at me for backing out of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> like, it just seems like he thinks everyone is, like, angry all the time. Because he is. Aww. So. Oh. So that comes across as an angry dude. <laughs> like, What's that justified quote? It's like you run into an asshole in the morning, they're the asshole. But if you run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Yeah. That's a pretty good quote. You know, yeah. He's, he's, I'm not sure if Silk's an asshole. He's just a bit of an intense character oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, i'm sure he's a fine uh, gentleman yeah um it's interesting he doesn't credit on this but he is credited as co-director on guillermo del toro's pinocchio even though that movie is called (laughs) guillermo del toro's pinocchio yeah i i want to believe that it's del toro kind of going to bat for another artist but i I really i just I, i really don't know yeah, I don't know if that's a, like, Netflix thing being, like, we have to market this movie as Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio to separate it from the 17 other Pinocchio movies that were coming out that year. Especially the Disney or, Pinocchio, which came out that year, and everyone was yeah. like, please kill it. Yeah, uh, as of the time of this recording yesterday, they just announced Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio will be going into the Criterion Collection. Yay! And and, and people responded very chilly and calmly about it. Yeah, uh, his haters on the internet are very funny, because it's like, no one hates him as a person, they just hate his movies. Yeah. And then everyone's like, listens to him talking, like, oh yeah, he seems like a nice guy. So I'm like, what are you angry about? It's like... <laughs> I think it's the Netflix thing. Also, there's, like, the whole, like, where's the other side of the wind thing that's going on. Oh, yeah, which I have. I'm yeah. definitely of that camp, of that one specific yeah, like, camp. Yeah, but, like, that could be a million things happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. Like, yeah, the rights, the Wells stuff is always yeah. so complicated. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I still don't like, give that... a shit. <laughs> I still just yeah. want it. No, no, I do want it, but it's also, like, I can't keep going, like, where is it? I'm like, it took... Look how long it took the movie to actually get made. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't... I, as much as I do want it, and they really should do it, but uh, it's still... It's it's an odd one. Um, but who knows what, what deals were made behind the scenes. It's like, it was owned by, like, the Shaw of Iran or whatever for a little bit. Like, it, it, is, it is absurd, the history of that. That, that movie goes through an insane... Uh, road to get released. We should do that one of these days, but we should wait until Criterion does put it out. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so fucking much to say about that movie. Yeah. Just like there's um, so I'm much like, to say about Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. Um, Alright, well here, sell me on Wes Anderson. What am I missing? Well, I don't think you're missing anything. I think and you... Don't, and don't use any of your fucking cute language like dudes rock or like this goes sicko mode <laughs> no, like you sometimes do when when I ask you to describe what a movie is and you're just like it's crazy buddy like and I'm like that doesn't say anything <laughs> like it would be fucking hysterical if I did describe Wes Anderson movies as that though cause that's not what they are <laughs> I mean I guess there's probably a version of him going sicko mode like of just yeah. I mean, 
Well, do you remember Green like Booker's when Hotel is kind of that? Like it's all his tricks in one movie. <laughs> Maybe uh, I, I thought Asteroid City went more sicko mode. I guess if I have I to guess, say that, yeah, but that that one also has like jetpacks in it and shit. Yeah, so, like there's I mean, a lot going on in that movie. No, like I, I saw the trailer and I don't know why it didn't click for me. I was like, oh, there's like it, it's like a science fiction movie. There's like a death ray in that movie. Like what the mm-hmm. fuck? And it just, yeah. I just completely missed that, I guess, in the lead-up to the movie's release. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, let, me, let me think. How do I... Because I don't think you, like, misunderstand or anything like that. I just think you just kind of bound... Like, it's just not for you, maybe. But you know? some people, like, are, like... Like, they're fucking ready to, like... Their heads are going to explode anytime they even, like, look at a Wes Anderson movie, like, with excitement. Like, mm-hmm. and I just... I'm like... I kind of prefer Paddington. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I know that's like a really lame take, but it's like, I got, I got more out of both Paddington movies. I just, I don't think they're doing quite the same thing. I guess. I'm just, I'm just trying to pick something close, right? Uh Like Wes Anderson is the only one really doing Wes Anderson stuff. So, I think he, it's weird. I should like it more because he clearly has infatuations with things that I do too, including like models and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it it feels like I, sh- I should be more into it than I am. But I, I just, I never am. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what it is. Like, he's got his, his whole thing. Like, even his non, like, animated stuff feels like animated because of like very specific blocking and mm-hmm. like the the dioramas and stuff like that that constantly pop Although, up for the exteriors one thing i really like about this is uh there there's a very clear attempt to like make it look animated like they deliberately leave flaws in the animation mm-hmm. um so you can see you can basically see the hands doing the work which i i always appreciate because i i actually think that's a big complaint Selick has where uh and I agree with him where that like now they like smooth out stop motion too much in post production, mm-hmm. and he's like, no, you should leave that in. Like it should look, it should look like stop motion. Like you should be able to see the flaws when you're watching the movie a little bit. Because I think that's his big complaint about like uh, I know Corpse Bride he had a big problem with that where that movie is so smooth. He's like, well, why even do it stop motion if it's gonna look this good? Oh, <laughs> you know, like it, it it might as well be a 3D animated movie at that point and. Um, Selleck, I think he he understands that's I'm you know we're not here to talk about him, but I think Wes Anderson has a similar thing where he likes the artifice, you know, and I think maybe maybe it's just that like I saw Moonrise Kingdom and uh, Grand Budapest Hotel at like the right time, so those those are like back to back, right? Like, oh those yeah, coming yeah. out like very close to each other, mm-hmm. and and then like that was kind of like okay. Wes Anderson, and then the more I watch his stuff, I'm like, oh, he kind of just does the same thing, and so it's never been as exciting as those first two times for me. Um, it is a little repetitive, for me anyway. Mm. See, I I don't feel that repetition whatsoever. I will say, uh, I'm pretty sure Darjeeling Limited was my first Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. um, and I I, I kind of bounce off that one a little bit now. Um, but the run of Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, and Grand Budapest Hotel, I think, are just going to be my three favorite ones. Because, again, I was also, like, the right age, the right time to kind of start yeah. getting into this stuff. Um, 
they all kind of have a moment where I choke up a little bit, and I just hear like the little piano theme from Grand Budapest Hotel, and I just start like, like my eyes swell up and shit. Like it's such a beautiful movie to me. Um, Although I look, I gotta say, like as beautiful as both those as as Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest are, because of his obsession with artifice, it's hard for me to get as invested with it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it keeps me at arm's length and it feels deliberate almost, you know, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you're watching this stuff and there's kind of a, like, none of it, I, I, no joke. It does honestly feel like those old, old, old school Disneyland rides, like the carousel of progress and shit like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I really felt that with Asteroid City and like, it feels like when you walk in your room and it's like. New space age polymers will allow us to explore the like, and you're like okay, and but I don't know, I'm still like it's again like I don't have anything against him like there's no part of me that's like fuck this guy, mm-hmm. um, and but I do I just watch the movies where I'm kind of like all right, and then I don't think about him. I mean that much. that is a common criticism that like his his shtick I guess uh, I don't believe it's a shtick but people call it that. Um, it keeps people at arm's distance. The people don't feel like they can connect to it as much. Although, but I, 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 I think that's also a similar thing I'm feeling with uh, Fincher, as I've talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Fincher, it does kind of feel like at a certain point he's just doing the same things over and over again. You know, mm-hmm. and it's a really he does it really well, and it's really, you know, he, it's not uninteresting. But the more you watch it, you're like. Okay, I think I get it, buddy. Right, like, and then you make you know you make something like Zodiac, which is probably like you know the convergence of everything he's been going for in one movie. I would argue, mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, you did it. Now what? And then like everything else is just kind of like more of the same. And I don't know. Um, it it's. I, I, I wonder if Wes Anderson is that way for me a little bit because they're both guys were like I respect those movies but I'm not like I, like the older I get the less I'm into them well I think the you difference know? is David Fincher generally doesn't like people and I think Wes Anderson's at least interested I don't I don't know if he likes people I, I, I want to believe he does considering the art he's made but at the very least his art is, I think is is speaking towards like exploring both the beauty and the flaws of his characters what, Wes Wes Anderson feels like a guy where you could tell me he was like a theater kid or a jock, and I would believe both. You know, my you favorite know? revelation in life is discovering that he wasn't French, though. Like, he's from Texas. <laughs> did, did people think that? I thought he was, he was French until, like, three years ago. I don't know. I, I always felt his movies had a very distinct American vibe to them. Like, I, I watched them, and I was like, this could only be made by an American. <laughs> Really, like it, it, it feels like someone who's obsessed with like fucking catalogs, like <laughs> you know, it, yeah. just, it just had that vibe of someone who like grew up in a very specific era, and so yeah, I don't know, he's um, a lot going on with him. Although, aren't like isn't like basically every one of his movies in the Criterion Collection? Like he, uh, I think he had some deal where like he gets because as Criterion, like you basically have to donate to like they like they kind of just get submissions and he's made sure like every one of his movies has gone into the collection oh okay i i you know i i didn't really realize that but i think you might be right Mm -hmm. huh 
Which might also annoy people. But <laughs> I, I know. Whatever. I mean, if, if you're going to pick, like, a modern filmmaker, uh, I, I, Wes Anderson, like, he makes sense. You don't have to, like, like his movies, but he totally makes sense for that. But I bet you he was probably in the collection around that era where they're doing, like, him and Michael Bay and Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, uh, fucking Kevin Smith, the other uh, uh, formerly independent artist. I mean, still independent yeah. artist. He, he's not going to get a studio budget ever again, but, like. Yeah, those guys came up around the same time, too. I, I can't believe yeah. I totally forgot that. People tried to totally oh, yeah. emulate Kevin Smith back in the day. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Smith's definitely one of those, and that's one where it's just like, I'm not even like against Kevin Smith, but I'm just like, don't do that, ever. Yeah, yeah. I ever do that. Yeah, I talked about it before. I like Kevin Smith, the individual person. He seems chill and cool. <laughs> I, I don't really respond to his stuff that he makes. Well, there's, there's something I do kind of like about his movies where they all kind of have a vibe of... Like, he just wants to hang out with his friends. Like, mm. and I'm like, there's something admirable about that. Like, even if I don't respond to the movie as much the older I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it's weird to think he comes from, like, a similar era of as Wes Anderson. And people at a time were like, Kevin Smith could be, like, the next great voice in cinema. Which is just, like, something no one believes anymore. No. Um, uh, no offense to the guy, but... Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Kevin Smith had his own run where it's like... You know, he's got Clerks, he's got Mallrats, which is kind of like a mistake like, of him trying to like do a studio movie. He goes back to the independence with uh, Chasing Amy, and then he does like Dogma after that. And that does feel like a bit of a ramp up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, this is some guy starting out. We, he could be doing stuff. And then at some point he just sh- he like downshifted, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Although there's the extended cut. I've never seen it. The extended cut of Jersey Girl that like people say, actually, that movie's pretty great. That people kind of defend his extended cut of Jersey Girl, which is the movie that famously like got savaged by test screening so badly, and then like got destroyed by critics anyway when they released an edited cut of it. Mm. Yeah. You know, like do you know the story with that one because that was made like at the height of uh, Benefer Round One. <laughs> oh, uh, I only know that. I don't know the specifics of like the behind the scenes that got it so, to where it is now. Kind of a spoiler, but not really for Jersey Girl. No one cares. Um, she, she's the mom in it, and she dies in the movie. Like, and it, it, it turns into like Ben Affleck's now stuck raising this daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the plot of the movie. It was supposed to be a twist that she was going to die in the movie. Like it was supposed to be a surprise. By the time between shooting and filming, the 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 country had turned so hard. <laughs> On Benifer, that they started using her death in the advertising. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I look around at the world and I think, have things really improved that much? I don't think a movie studio would ever do something like that today. I could I be mean, wrong, but that's, that's, I mean, that is just like horribly misogynistic. Oh yeah. That is, that is really gross. Well, no, we would 100 we, we we all, I mean, what's, who's, who, who is breaking up right now? Um, the fucking Jonas and the girl from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. And people are like, everyone's chiming in with an opinion, right? Uh-huh. Like, and that's why, like, I was, you know, like, I kind of want to just kick people in the face over that Britney Spears documentary. Because, mm-hmm. like, watching that, I made the joke my, my review of that movie was like, well, it's good watching this knowing we will never make this mistake ever again. And it's like, no, we just do it. Like, we keep doing it. Like, everyone feels the need to be like, well, they shouldn't behave this way. Like, they, And it's like, who gives a fuck? Like, yeah. 
you shouldn't have these people in your brain that often. Like, but like, I don't know. It's there's the people who love to like hate watch these celebrity couples as they fall apart. Mm-hmm. And I just I'm almost like this is none of our fucking business. <laughs> and like, well, they want to be famous, so like, this is what you know. This is fair game. And I'm like, not really. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a little weird. Yeah. Also, but... you don't have something else going on. Like, it, yeah, it's hard to that's... keep up with stuff I'm interested in as it is. Like, what am I going to do with, with shit that I don't care about, you know? <laughs> I heard something that, like, it was it, it was something I kind of always knew was true, but to have it confirmed made me laugh really hard. Um, I was I was listening to some, some streamer, and they were having a conversation about, like, like, sometimes getting, like, harassment or, like, hate messages sent to them. Mm-hmm. And the, they one person, like, you know, I know, like, I used to get really upset about it, but then I noticed something about the messages, and that it was that there's a massive uptick once the summer starts, and it goes away once summer ends. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, these are all teenagers doing oh. this. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's like the there's like the re- weird sicko adult, of course, that is way too involved. Mm-hmm. But like the the chill the people that are following the marching orders of those sickos are like thirteen year olds with nothing better to do with their lives. Yeah, yeah. So like. And, like, I kind of always knew that, but, like, to have it confirmed, like, that made me laugh really hard. Well, you know, children are the future, and that means you can also fuck them up, so don't do that. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Jesus Christ, people. Get it together. I mean, you know, like, it's, the kids, like, they gotta try it out a little bit. It's just, now because we live in this interconnected age, now you can't just, like, be kind of obnoxious in high school. <laughs> like, now mm-hmm. you're obnoxious on a website that's going to last forever maybe like yeah your obnoxious behavior is going to stand forever now and that's where it becomes a problem um i I heard that argument where like people should have the right to like erase their like history like entirely online like that we should like be granted a sort of privacy protection like that that if we choose to erase everything that's been you know that we've posted online it should all be able to go away like, on an individual level. But, of course, there are problems with that. But it's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, the fucking Fox movie. Yeah, um, Fantastic Mr. Fox, starring George based... Clooney, Meryl Streep, yeah. Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray. Bill Murray is fourth build, but he's, like, not in it that much. Uh, I think that's just another Wes Anderson thing, though, where it's like, Bill Murray, and then he's, like, barely in the thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, we all love so. Bill Murray. Well, that's the other thing, I guess, with West Anderson. Is he in Asteroid City? He's not, right? Like, no, he, they, he was going to be, and then yeah. he wasn't. I'm surprised they didn't find some way to sneak him in with a voice cameo. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe, did uh, he? No, no, he's not He's not in it yeah. at all. I feel like we would have heard about it by now. Yeah. Um, uh, what we did here, and I, I should say it because we've, we've spoken the truth about other filmmakers, is that he, you know, he did say he would keep oh, working I, with Bill Murray. Um, it said uh, he, he was given something that, like, He's in a promotional short for the film, so Bill Murray like did an advertisement for it, which is interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's another thing is that Bill Murray, famously not chill dude, yeah, uh, who like basically when you really read about Bill Murray, it like took other agro filmmakers to really get him in line, mm-hmm. right? And two of his closest collaborators are like Wes Anderson and Jim Jarmusch, yeah. 
and it makes you go like, well, what's what's going on there, yeah. right? Like it really like I I don't totally know what's because meanwhile Bill Murray like famously like burns bridges with like half the people he worked with, if not more, so, frankly. Yeah, but I mean like it's that thing of like he him and Harold Ramis fought so much during the production of uh uh fucking Groundhog Day that they didn't speak again until fucking Harold Ramis was dying <laughs> like. Like that's crazy to think about, yeah. you know? Because um, they were they like used to, for a while they were like super close. And I've heard um, Ivan Reitman, um, who did the original Ghostbusters, was a similar uh, aggro guy who could kind of get Bill Murray in line. Yeah. But like, what's going on there? You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, it raises questions that I don't have it answers. It really does. To. And. I mean, there's that period where he, like, wants to be taken more seriously, you know? It mm-hmm. felt like... That's kind of the weird early... Like, him and Belushi were kind of more, like, they wanted to be serious actors, and they just kind of fell in the comedy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, yeah, he's got such an odd... Like, you know, there's the infamous Charlie's Angels stories. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, what he does doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, I forgot he was an Ant-Man in the Wasp. Oh, was he? Uh, yeah. I probably heard movie. about that and just forgot about that movie's existence because I yeah, didn't see it. Guy, so which, that made it easier. Some, well, that was weird. Where like the first trailer showed him very prominently, he didn't say anything, but they do like it's Bill Murray, like kind of like close up of him, mm. like takes off some sunglasses, and then like in between that trailer and the second trailer, there was that he got fired off of some movie, I guess, like because he was being fucking insane like he normally is, and. Uh, it was people were like, wait a minute, maybe we should think about Bill Murray a little more. And then he disappeared from all subsequent advertising. Yeah. Well, more, more, I think <laughs> other stories resurfaced that had been out there already, but like, yeah, well there's, you no, know, there's like, there's tons of shit about Bill Murray, but that one kind of was like, it brought it back into the spotlight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who knows what's going on with that fucking lunatic. Yeah. But there was a weird moment where like, it was, like, do you remember, like, A Very Murray Christmas, the, like, Sofia Coppola-directed thing? Yeah. That was, like, on the, another person who works with him, like, multiple times. Yep. I uh, mean, like, Lost in Translation, people still call it her best movie. They're wrong. Um, yeah. I do like that movie a lot, but I, I don't think it's her best. Um, mm. I think she's... Well, I think so I think much. we finally... I think we finally admitted that uh, Mary Antoinette is actually a good movie. <laughs> like, no, I think we've actually admitted it's a great movie. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. It's like yeah, that yeah, was yeah, easily yeah, yeah. her best, and it took. But like when that movie came out, it was like savaged. It got like booed at con. Like yeah, but if you get booed like, at con, that's kind of like the dream for me. <laughs> that's but that awesome. was one where like people really hated that. I remember that was the story, and I remember watching it. And um, I might have watched it for other reasons, being a teenager. But, hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> and uh, whenever watching, be like, I don't know. I kind of liked. Like that was kind of good. <laughs> like I don't know what people are talking about. It is insane that, like, Rip Torn is in it. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, like, fucking. Like, yeah. The, the casting for that movie is a little insane. Hey, did Rip but, Torn uh, ever work with Wes Anderson? That feels like it should have happened, but I think Rip Torn got drunk and tried to break into that bank before he got a chance to <laughs> I forgot uh, work that. with Wes Anderson. That's a real thing, by the way, for people that didn't know yeah. about that. It's a real thing. He got so drunk, he, got, he, <laughs> he broke thought into a bank. A bank. Was his house. He thought a bank was his house. Um, but that kind of like, unfortunately, that kind of like stalled his career. Like he didn't do much after that. That's too like, bad. Because he's, he's not in. Um, 
I think Men in Black 3 was made while he was still alive, and he's not in that, so... Yeah, well, he only died a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, well, remember there was the famous Twitter account that was like, uh, Rip Torn has outlived, and it was anytime a celebrity died. Oh, yeah. It would just post, Rip Torn has outlived, blah, 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 like, um, and then we unfortunately did lose Rip Torn in 2019. Yeah. So. Oh, we could have had another decade of Rip Torn performances. We, 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 yeah, we just a guy tries to break into a bank one time and Hollywood blacklists him. He didn't even try to rob it. That's the thing that, that yeah. fucking hang like I'm hung up he, on. He just likes to party. What's wrong with that? Yeah, like, we've all been there. <laughs> um, but there, that is interesting considering, like, yeah, like that, like ruined him, and like, and then meanwhile, fucking Bill Murray is like still working, even though like there's stories of him like throwing assistant eighties into like a lake and shit, like, yeah, it's it's yeah, strange, strange guy. Um, oh, uh, Sophia Coppola actually gave a response when asked about the age gap between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson and Lost in Translation. <laughs> Because, you know, people, some people see that movie as, as a platonic relationship. Other people see it as a purely romantic relationship. I think the movie kind of straddles a line. Um, you can explore it however you'd like. And her response to that question was, I don't really want to talk about it. And you know what? Considering some truly out-of-pocket shit that other filmmakers have said, I'll take it. <laughs> um. I'm, I, I am, Diego, I am so sick of the age gap discourse. I... I am. We need to stop doing that one. Like, no more of that. Like, people are like now. It's like twenty-five-year-olds can't date people in their thirties, according to some people. Like, and I'm just like, what, what's wrong with all of you? <laughs> I'm sorry. That one's driving me. Like now, people are getting weird about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, yeah. What's going... Everyone's losing their minds. Everyone has everyone lost is, their minds. Everyone has lost their fucking minds. And it's like, whatever. People, let's, let's just look fucking... Why do you care? <laughs> whatever. There's certain things where it's like, yeah, I'm not doing it, so like that's none of our business, right? Mm-hmm. And, but... Are they two consenting adults? Yeah, basically. Right. As long as you're consenting, and it's like... And then if it comes out, like, you know, it's like... It's not like there needs to be an age gap for, like, abuse to happen, you know? Like, that's mm-hmm. not the problem. <laughs> like, abuse is the problem, not the fucking age. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's guys consenting adults. That's whatever, man. Although, that being said, like, I, if, you know, between 18 and 21, that's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just because I cannot imagine even holding a conversation with someone younger than 21 at this point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm. We are both older than that. Uh, yes. By by, not a significant margin, but older. Um. Yeah. I I wouldn't feel comfortable dating anybody under, like. I don't know. I'm not point. even saying. I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying like I. What What will we talk about? No. Yeah. I mean that. That's exactly the thing. Like, there was there was someone I started dating. She was three years older than me, and at mm-hmm. first it was like. All right, what do we talk about? This was this was a, a while back, not not a significant well, yeah, it's weird. time, but when, like when it, you're it was just younger. Yeah, that's what's weird. When you're younger, those like age gaps are like if someone's like a year older than you, you might as well be from different planets. Like that's, <laughs> that's what it's like. In, that's what it's like in high school, you know. Uh-huh. Like if there's an ear, if there's a year difference, that's like a big deal. And then like the older you get, it becomes less of a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. 
where it's like, oh, for like within five years, we we basically understand each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, but then like, but like, it's more just to me. I'm just like, once I hit like 21, you kind of go like, oh, teenagers are like literal children. <laughs> like they're not like you because you, when you're a teenager, you fancy yourself kind of a young adult, mm-hmm. you know. And then like once you're like an actual adult, you're like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> like I was a child. What the fuck. Speaking of teenagers who have chips on their shoulders, I really love Jason Schwartzman in this movie as Ash. Like, yeah. I mean, Jason Schwartzman's kind of another, like, Wes Anderson guy, you know? Like, he's there, yes. like, kind of almost at the start with Rushmore. Well, uh, and he's a Coppola, right? Yes. He is a Coppola. Yeah. yeah he's part of the... They're all fucking Coppolas. They're all, I know, half of Hollywood's Coppolas. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but his, his uh, relationship with the cousin, um, I don't know who, who plays Christopherson. Eric Chase Anderson. Yeah, well, that's the thing. A lot of, like, like half the voices are people you'd recognize, and the other half are, like, people that just, like, are, are like, Wes Anderson's buddies. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah. Um, but that dynamic's really fun, because Ash clearly, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder because his dad is, like, such a success. Everyone loves his dad. He was the best at everything, and Ash isn't good at, like, anything. It's And, I like, rewatching it uh, for the 2000th time, you know, it's like... The, the film totally, like, like does a great job of, like, kind of exploring those insecurities and, like, this, this poor little guy who just, like, he just fucking cannot, like, get a win until the very end. I feel so bad. Just this little, this little fox. And, um, I don't know, no one does dry like Jason Schwartzman, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, even, like, when they're in the lab, at the school lab with uh, his cousin and his lab partner starts getting a crush on his cousin Christopherson, he's like, you're supposed to be my lab partner. And she's like, I am. He's like, no, you're not. You're disloyal. And it's like, I don't know. He just fucking cracks me up every time. And just the, the little the little miniature guys are so cute and stuff like that. Like, I'm not a collector. But if someone was like, hey, I got this diorama of every Fantastic Mr. Fox character. I wouldn't immediately say no. I eventually would because I don't even know where I'd put that in my house. But, you know, if I had to collect anything... Fantastic Mr. Fox characters are like the the things I would uh, want to. Is there something you want to tell us, Diego? No, no. I immediately I was like winding down because I was like, no, Matt's gonna bring up I was the thing. I was letting you dig that hole. No, 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 no. Different, uh, literally different strokes here. That's... All right, all right. So, why Fantastic Mr. Fox? Like, why did I choose this movie to vote for? No, why did Wes Anderson decide to do this with this material? Uh, he loves Roald Dahl. Yes, obviously, we all do, even though he's a famous anti-Semite. Yes. Um, but uh, what? where did he go, like, this is what I could do with that story? Uh, well, he always does these, like, weird fucked up family dynamics, and I think he just saw, like, another avenue to explore that with here, you know? Uh, I guess. Just with the Fantastic Mr. Fox character. And have you read the that original little book? Yes, but not since, like, childhood, obviously. Mm. Um, that one's, like, a, it's a pretty simple one, for even for Roald Dahl. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, like, a lot of this is Wes Anderson editions. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff like, uh, you know, the, the fucking farmers try to stop Mr. Fox, and then he gets away. Like, it's mm. a lot of that. I believe the ending is very similar, not with the grocery store, but I believe... Uh, uh, in the story, he ends up like founding an underground community for him and all his friends. So they never have to leave, and like the farmers are like waiting, even though he'll never emerge. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I, I I know for a fact the fucking um, the fucking chant. Uh, what's what is it? Bogus Bunsen. Bogus Bean. Bunsen is Bean. That... One fat, one short, yeah. one lean. That that one is a hundred percent a uh, a roll doll thing. It has to be. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Although did you did you see this happened like earlier this year when like like Penguin books announced they were gonna like re-edit a bunch of roll doll stories. I did see that. That was like a weird controversy that that didn't make sense to anyone. Like obviously the reactionaries got angry about it, but even someone like me, I'm like, why are you? What what is this about? Mm-hmm. Like that was a weird one, and it was like, and the, and the choices were like. It like almost seemed designed to piss people off, right? Yeah. It wasn't just like removing a few words that are dated. It was stuff like, you know, oh, you can't make fun of the one farmer for being fat anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Which like, yeah, I, I like whatever. But then like also it's like, and they changed the son to a daughter in the new edition, and you're just like, well, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. it was that was a weird moment that happened. Like earlier this year, and I think that like it only happened to like British editions, because I think the uh, American publishers decided not to go through with them because of the backlash. Mm. But uh, it was yeah, that was a strange. I think they're trying to make Roll Dolls stuff like they it's I, it's got to be like a marketing thing, where they want to st- be, still be able to sell his books to schools, and there's just there's just hap- you know there's a lot of stuff in those books that have just not aged well because of the era he wrote them in. Yeah, right? I mean like, like, did you read Tom Sawyer in middle school? Or Huckleberry um, Finn? You know, you know what we didn't? We didn't actually do Mark Twain. Oh, okay. Right? Oh, that's the yeah, one you guys didn't fucking read. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I I, don't know. Like, maybe it was like, an, uh, maybe the honors English class did it, but I wasn't in that. Um, mm. So, uh, but I don't remember. But like, you know, we I know people who did read it. So, yeah. like, but that seems to be a controversy that pops up every few years where it's like, there's language in Huckleberry Finn. And... But that's also kind of the point of the books, so I don't know. <laughs> like that's what I I always think those are like faux controversies, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, it look it's it's a word that you and I can never say. Yeah, no, no, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'm and, not saying like that's actually fine and cool. No, no, like, no, no, no. you you know you're you're not saying that, but I I think it's because you brought it up and it is important uh, for this discussion as well with the uh, the roll doll stuff like. It is kind of... I mean, Roald Dahl was, was just like an anti-Semite. Like, that's different. Yeah. Um, but with something like Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, like, yeah, like, the characters are in the wrong, but they're still, like, doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, of the time, like, they were, you know, generally more progressive in their yeah, own yeah. way, right? But it's still not perfect. And I, you know, I don't have no, an no, answer yeah. for this because I'm not a teacher and I don't have to think about this stuff. But I do think, like, okay maybe it's a teacher's job to properly explain why it was seen as okay before and why it's not now because no, no, some no, things I, have gotten better it. whatever you know just um, i just yeah the mark twain one the huckleberry film one just seems to pop up every few years where people go like a class is not gonna teach Huckleberry like that. That's basically the story, right? Oh yeah. yeah Meanwhile, yeah. like the conservatives are like trying to ban every book that even mentions a gay character but yeah. like or, so or like, getting finger like, banged at Beetlejuice. What was that? Or getting finger banged at Beetlejuice. Yeah, I don't you know what? We're not we're, we really don't have time to unpack <laughs> okay. that one either. But uh there's there's that. There's like the whole like and they're not like, you know, conservatives are straight up banning those books, right? Like there's they're they're like they're burning books straight up, right? Mm. Whereas 
usually the story is a school somewhere is not going to include Huckleberry Finn as part of their curriculum this year, right? Yeah. Which is very different than getting rid of the book, you know? And it starts some controversy, and it, I, the discourse almost immediately goes the same way. And within, like, five minutes of that announcement, some fucking conservative pundit somewhere pops up and goes like, oh, but it's okay to say it in rap songs. Oh, yeah, that's so stupid. That's, that happens every time. Yeah. What's that Delroy Lindo bit? He he was it, it was it's fictional. He did it on some show. I think it's called the the Good Fight, I think. And like he's on like uh, I believe like some sort of like oh yeah talk like, show. So... He's like oh you know yeah. like they can say the word whatever. He's like I don't see the big deal. And then his character goes then say it. Yeah. Say the word. I'll say it with you. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> well, there's also. There's also that Mulaney bit where he's like, if you're arguing about which word is worse and you can't even say one of them, that's the worst word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Funny stuff. Um, but I just, it's interesting because I do remember this being, there's also didn't like, I, I feel like the Roald Dahl thing also got tied. Didn't like Netflix signed some big deal with the Roald Dahl estate that they were going to, like, produce a ton. And I think that fell apart right when, like, Netflix started, like, hemorrhaging money. <laughs> like, that makes sense. I think they canceled basically all those projects. But yeah. the only one I think they did was the uh, the, the uh, filmed version of the Matilda musical, which I've heard is actually pretty good, but I never watched it. So, mm. remember Matilda? I do remember. The Danny DeVito-directed Matilda movie? I do remember it. I, I remember liking that movie. Yeah. It's been a minute. But also, there's there's so much stuff in, like, uh, the Roald Dahl shit. Like, I was thinking about this with uh, Willy Wonka, which is a movie. I, I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I love that movie, even though uh, Roald Dahl famously hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it's also one of those where, like, oh, yeah, you really can't do this anymore. Because, like, one of the things is just, like, yeah, this kid's so fucking fat, he's a piece of shit. Like, like and that's, like, all it is. Like, can you imagine... <laughs> Like it's like that's kind of fucking insane, and it's but it's like in regular rotation as like classic children's film. Yeah, you know what? That's probably why they're doing a Wonka prequel, like a Willy Wonka prequel movie. Yeah, no, that's yeah. They can't. Well, they already did the remake, but that remake also made Augustus Gloop like even worse. Yeah, somehow. So like he's like straight up eating grass at one point in that movie. <laughs> so there's a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Burton. Tim Burton and those Johnny Depp collabs that always went so well. Um, womp womp. Hey. Um, do you <laughs> think Tim Burton and Wes Anderson are of similar ilk? Um, no, because Wes Anderson's at least like maintains a s- similar level of quality. <laughs> I'm I'm not talking specifically about quality. Uh, just. They each have their own, I, like, really specific aesthetic choices. Yeah, and but I also, it feels like, um, it feels like Tim Burton is, is, is much more close to the animation thing than Anderson, right? Like Anderson Really? I feel the opposite. No, no, Anderson is not, because that's why some people don't vibe with Burton, because he doesn't tend to have the strongest narratives in his movies. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's an animator. If you watch his movies, like his sequences are really fantastic, right? Like, because he has like that animator mindset. Whereas I think Wes Anderson is, he's not, I'm not saying like his narratives are stronger, but he's much more interested in the dynamics between human beings, right? Mm -hmm. 
or which or I think that's animals here. Well, yeah, yeah, but like you know, between like fam, like I mean, you brought up the family thing, like that's mm-hmm. a major recurring thing in his stuff, um, and I think how you know he's much more interested in that interpersonal stuff, and I think he kind of fell backwards into the animation thing, whereas Tim Burton clearly started there and worked his way more towards narrative features. Um, I think they, like they, they crossed over at some point, but I think they, they, their approach uh, came from different angles. They're a dyad in the animation force. Sure. Sorry. Um, I don't know. I want to talk about the family stuff a little bit too. Uh, Wait, you're not more. even going to challenge me on that? No, I mean, like, I, I just disagree. You're all like, I don't think it was like you were all like, you were all like, what? Are you insane? No, <laughs> no, no, you're not insane. I just, I mean, what are you talking about? Okay, They're Burton, clearly exactly the same. Burton and then I made my my, physically... like, my like mute point, and then you're like, okay, moving on. <laughs> well, all right, you, you offered you offered nothing. Okay, fine. Well, here. Burden clearly started there, but I think his 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 problems and his like successes because I do think even his worst movies have like moments, except for like Planet of the Apes, right? Which is just like apart from the makeup is J- Jesus Christ. I th- um, I think you forget Planet of the Apes also has Paul Giamatti as an ape. Oh yes, yes, you're you're correct. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? <laughs> I cannot believe that line is in a Planet of the Apes. I know. Oh my that- god. <laughs> That is like peak, like just like the like. Is that, is that movie from before nine eleven? I was like, about like to look little, it up right it, now. Like that had to have at least entered production before nine eleven. Like it was released in two thousand one. Yeah, in July we just okay. missed it. <laughs> just because that's like the last moment you could get away with that. Like that was one of those like. Yeah, he's gonna quote fucking Rodney King in the Planet of the Apes film, like. Good lord! Yeah. <laughs> it's just that that is the last moment you could have gotten away with that. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but anyways, okay. So Burton literally did start as now. You're you're correct. I just mm. think Anderson's like decisions and choices as a filmmaker are much more like. I think there's a reason Fantastic Mr. Fox is, tends to be people's uh, favorite Wes Anderson movie. I think he's much more acclimated I, to like the the animated I, space. I think there's a reason for that too, and I think that's no, no, no. To do with, I, I I got some news about you, buddies. No. If this is your favorite Wes Anderson movie, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, what was I saying? No, but like he's so this but this feels like he's pushing animation into his style as opposed to it his live action movies don't feel like he's trying to do animation in live action, you know? Mhm. Um his blocking his style feels very it's very pointed, it's very stylistic, but it it feels very built for live action. He's very interested in blocking, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, if animators aren't always into blocking the same way live action filmmakers are into blocking, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a lot more fluidity to the movement and stuff like that. Whereas I don't, I don't see that. I mean, this is like a lot of lockdown cameras and shit, which you is just you're not used to that with animation as much, even stop motion animation, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you know, straight ahead looking cameras, like even 
most other stop motion films will try to find because they know they can't move the camera that much because it's stop motion Mm -hmm. but they will try to find different angles to like make it a little more dynamic which he's like no we're gonna strip all that away because that's how i shoot my movies Mm -hmm. so like i don't think i don't think he has an animation i don't think he has an animation mindset that drives him outside of his animated movies now when he does animation he does it really well i'm not disagreeing with that i'm just saying that i don't think when when you watch Tim Burton, you can tell he has an animator mindset, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, do you see that animated mindset in something like Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children? I mean, yeah. Oh, really? Do. Okay, okay. I was, yeah. I was having a lot. No, it's no, no. It's not. It's gotten worse, <laughs> obviously, and it's now that he's so reliant on CG. He's kind of more like he, he he defers to that, like which doesn't help things. Like where he had to, he used to have to do a lot of his tricks in camera mm-hmm. you know yeah but like you know batman famously doesn't have a great like it's not like the strongest narrative batman movie ever no and batman returns is even worse but it looks so amazing and the individual segments of both those movies are incredibly effective and you can tell that that's where his mind goes as opposed to the narrative stuff which is i mean that's what animated movies used to be they used to not be strong in the narrative sense it was kind of the pixar revolution where they kind of put the script as king thing into the animation world mm-hmm. whereas animations before that were more focused on the individual beats as opposed to any sort of driving force which is why you can get some animated films that can feel a little uh, meandering at times <laughs> but if you love the animation it, it kind of overrides that thing i mean that's don blue's whole thing you know yeah yeah so. tighten the e-gang right. yeah I mean, we talked about that in that episode, another one where it's like the narrative isn't exactly the strongest, but like certain sequences are really powerful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, I miss that like there used to be kind of people would kind of just be okay with that where it's like, yeah, we're not here for the story. We're just here to kind of see it like and how cool it looks. Mm-hmm. And that, that has certainly gone away. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the, the writing in the Spider-Verse movies is great. I think it's a little less so in the sequel, but I, I do think still at least really solid. Um, I'm glad Wait, those when did movies... You turn, what, when did you turn... When, when did the sequel become the lesser one? No, I, I said when we recorded the episode, like, I do prefer the first movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, felt, it felt like everyone was like, this is clearly a step up. Uh, like, visually, like, obviously a huge step up, but, like, of course, it's you get more money the, and shit like that. Um, the challenge with that one movie for me is just like it's not there's no ending. I, I know, so, I know. They try to they, do they, one with they, like the Gwen Stacy bookends, and I admire that. It, it, it's not. It works same. way better than it should. Yes, but yes. Like, like I said, it's probably not the best. It's probably the best cliffhanger ending I've seen since Empire. But like, it still is a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this so, is totally unrelated. But uh, do you consider Lord of the Rings the trilogy having cliffhanger endings then? Because they were all filmed um, at at once. Um, they were promoted as a trilogy, basically. You know, like they well, all three of those were going to come out regardless. So, I, I, well, I do think it took me a while to get into those movies. Partly, it, they had to all kind of be out for me to really get into them. Like, okay, I wasn't, like okay. super. And also, every time I've shown them to people, when we get to the ending of that first one, they're like, "Wait, that's it!" Yeah. So, like, I have to imagine. I think that yeah, they are movies that work better when once you have all three. Of the extended edition. I forgot who <laughs> some some filmmaker was just saying like, oh, that they love Lord of the Rings and that they, they like they're so inspired by them. But they they were like, no, that first movie just fucking ends. Like it's a great <laughs> movie and they're all great. 
but it does just fucking end. And I was like, yeah, it kind of, it kind of does. And it's like, I wonder why that, that trilogy doesn't come up in conversation more with these recent conversations about part ones, part twos, whatever. Um, maybe because they filmed all at the same time. I don't know. That's not what we're here to talk about. I, I do want to yeah, pivot back helped. a little bit uh, with like, okay, let's say Tim Burton um, and Wes Anderson. There's a very interesting response I've heard from writer friends, uh, specifically writer friends. And this is nothing uh, positive or negative, but I do find <laughs> it fascinating that a lot of people really prefer Wes Anderson's earlier work as opposed to his newer work because i think his his newer work uh while the writing is is i think just as good as it's ever been i think he's much more interested in putting all the pieces on the screen less so on the page they are on the page too but he's really showcasing what he can do with every second of a movie frame right Mm -hmm. versus like people saying like rushmore still their favorite or bottle rocket or even royal tenenbaums which, you know, operate on a normal movie scale, even without the Wes Anderson-isms, you know? I, think, I do think, like, you have to be into Wes Anderson to, like, Asteroid City, for example, right? And then I've also heard, to go back to Tim Burton, a lot of people really like Wednesday. A lot of writers really like Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday... And I don't... I, again, I haven't seen response. it. haven't seen it. But I just... I don't know what the connection is there. And I don't know why... I even thought of it, but I, I, there's something happening and I don't know again if it's good or bad, but I just, I'm curious. I don't know what, what it is. Like there's a missing piece here in my brain that can't connect these things, but I have not stopped thinking about why people (laughs) have been telling me this lately. And I, I don't know why they even feel it, I guess. What, what 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 thing are you hitting on? Like, I sorry, I kind of lost the point. No, no, no. I, I don't even really have a point. I just thought it was interesting. Like, people really like Tim Burton when he's not making movies. They like him when he's doing TV now with Wednesday. People don't like oh, Wes Anderson when he's like... I know it's one show, it's one show, but I do think it's important. And people have liked uh, uh, or lo- uh, hated Wes Anderson more as he's gone down his own little rabbit hole. And I think people kind of like Tim Burton when he's not specifically doing his own thing like Wednesday is, is very Tim Burton inspired right like aesthetically or whatever yeah but you know he's not like he, he became the guiding force through the production but he's not the guiding force yeah. of that show well I, I I can only speak for Burton really since I'm much more like a Burton fan and there is something where like as that repetition sits in sets in um there's like diminishing returns on the Tim Burton style you know and um I mean, it's, I feel like he's one of those guys where you watch, it feels like he, he kind of runs out of things to say with his movies after Mars Attacks a little bit. Not that he didn't make good movies afterwards, you know, Mm -hmm. but so much of what happens post Mars Attacks is him being like, I will bring my style to something, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether it's like a very specific genre piece or a specific piece of IP. I mean, it's like, you know, it's stuff like I will do. I will bring my Tim Burton style to Sleepy Hollow, right? Which is a movie yeah. we both really enjoy. Um, and I think you start to see that shift, and it can get a little, you know, get a little repetitive after a, a while. And I also think there is the angle of once he pivots to CGI, it's like, well, why am I even showing up if it's just going to be all this digital shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's, it's certainly less fun. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what it is with. 
Like, I, I think the repetition can get exhausting for some people, where you're kind of like, this used to be fresh and exciting, and now it just feels like the same thing over and over again. And you're like, well, what do you, what else you got? What, where, where are you taking this? And sometimes it feels like a filmmaker isn't taking it where they want to go, you know, yeah. or where you would like to see them go. I think it's why someone like I, you know, there's that famous thing like Tarantino being like, few directors have a good last movie. I'm only making ten movies, right? Mm-hmm. Which we, know, I think we both don't totally agree with that sentiment. Yeah, but I think Tarantino maybe understands that he only has ten good movies in him. You know. Mm-hmm. That I think if Tarantino keeps doing the Tarantino thing for like another twenty years, it's gonna get exhausting at a certain point, and it's not gonna be as fun as it, it's. It already isn't as fun as it was for some people when he started. You know, some people have already jumped off the Quentin Tarantino train, and I'm still on it. I still really enjoy his stuff, and but I'm also like, how much longer can he really sustain it? And so maybe it would be smart for him to just stop after ten. Yeah. So I think for certain, like, I mean, then the opposite is someone like Scorsese, who it, who certainly repeats himself a lot. Like he does, he returns to a lot of similar themes, but also is trying things every, every few years, you know, mm-hmm. like he'll go back to that crime well, cause he knows that he can get funding for it. Yeah. But, uh, he also is like, yeah, but I am, I'm also going to like, I'm, I'll do a children's film. I will do a religious epic. I will, I will do a revisionist Western, like. He he still is trying things, whereas you know, I don't know how much longer Wes Anderson can do the Wes Anderson thing. I, not for me specifically, but what you're vocalizing right now, I I I, I am a little concerned about the future of Wes Anderson. I have no problem with what he's done. I'm very interested yeah. in where he continues to go. But I do wonder if audiences will continue following him. Like we just talked about, like Asteroid City barely breaking even recently. <laughs> it was released in yeah. July. You know, it is now September of 2023. But, but it seems like it had legs. Like, it did. It did. And in an era where it feels like certain mid-budget movies aren't doing as well. Mm-hmm. So, but it. I don't know. It's. I feel like right now he's catering more towards people who are already invested it feels like people like me who aren't like super into it it's not like he's gonna he's not gonna attempt to win me back anytime soon i guess yeah and on, on some level you know you make movies for the audience you make movies for yourself like i don't mind that he's making movies for himself because i like those if i was his agent and this is the worst thing i've ever said in my life i would be like hey buddy maybe you want to make one for the audience next time <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually give a shit about that. I don't. I don't even care. Yeah, I don't care about making it for the audience. I'm just like, I, I'm just kind of like, what else you got, Wes? Like, does he have another thing? You know, like, do you want to try something different? Um, and and maybe he doesn't. I, I I'm you know I'm okay with that because I, I I like yeah. his things, you know. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But like, it's it's more just. How long can you maintain that for the diehards, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like Tim Burton was in a similar position where his movies were not as good, but he kind of still kept a certain group of people following him, you know? Yeah, where to the point like, where uh, uh, my journalism mentor, she said her favorite director is Tim Burton. And, like, yeah. I was very snooty because I was like, still? Yeah. <laughs> like... It feels like, 
Yeah, at a certain point it became uncool to say that. Like, I would say, like, probably around Alice in Wonderland, which is, like, that is definitely the moment where I hop off the Burton train. Um, which is just, that's just a terrible film. No, it's one of the worst movies yeah. ever made. Yeah. That was one of those ones where, like, I didn't, like, walk out of the movie, but, like, as it was clear it was winding down, I just start. I got up and just started leaving. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't, I don't really care. How far do you go with Burton? Like, when, like... Uh, big like big fish, one... big fish is, yeah. is my drop off. I love big fish, and then after that, I am done. Like I, I love Sleepy Hollow, uh, Planet of the Apes. Like no one seems to like. I'm not a big fan of Big Fish, mm-hmm. and it feels like that run of Big Fish, Charlie the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, and Sweeney Todd are movies that are like specifically made for the already converted Burton people. Yeah, right? I, you know what? I, I, I kind of like Corpse Bride and Sweeney Todd. I, I, I'll i give them those. I will. Yeah. I'm in a good mood today because I'm talking about those Wes are Anderson. Movies, those are movies I enjoyed when I saw them and also will like never seek out again. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, Sweeney Todd, like, I I think that's when I realized I love musicals when I saw that. Yeah. Because uh, I had seen West Side Story you... beforehand and then I love all the old Disney stuff, which, you know, animated, but whatever. Um, mm. I think those do operate in musical territory uh and then after that i start exploring other musical stuff you know but there's the the problem with that movie is there's kind of like a you hear tim burton's doing sweeney todd and you're like oh my god that must be the greatest movie ever made (laughs) and then you watch it and you're like oh no it's just fine like it's not uh it's that you want that I want that movie to be so much better than it is. No, no, no right. same, same. Um, but then after that, it is just fucking miserable. I remember people really yeah. like went to bat for Big Eyes, and I was like, I finally saw it, and then it was like, oh, this is not good. Yeah, Big Eyes was like, you kind of well, I felt like Big Eyes was one of those ones where like it felt like we had to be nice to it because we had to like discourage him from doing the other type of movies, mm-hmm. like. Like, no, Tim, Big Eyes was great. You should do another one of those instead of the other stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, saying it through, like, gritted teeth almost. And then he does Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is, like, just just a train wreck. trash, but it's still made, like, $300 million. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the unofficial logline is Tim Burton's X-Men, you know? Like... Yeah. <laughs> that is... You look... If I was the uno- 10 years younger the when that came out, I would have watched it, like, really. The unofficial logline of that movie is uh, Eva Green. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Who, God fucking damn it. Whoa. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. She's a very attractive woman. Oh, yes, yes, she is. She's, she's offensively attractive. It's upsetting. Oh, no, people, yeah, yeah. People shouldn't look that good in life. No. <laughs> um, but... Uh, so I, I, I'm gonna bet that was at least fifty million dollars right there. <laughs> <laughs> fifty million dollars and me sneaking into the theater. Jesus Christ! But, um, <laughs> um, it's uh, like Frank and Weenie in the middle of. Oh that, yeah, yeah, you know what? Is... As as a as a pet owner, I think I'm kind of obligated to almost go to bat for Frank and Weenie. I just don't think it's very yeah. good. But, but Frank and Weenie's also him being like, I'm going back to the well because Frank and Weenie's like his famous short film. Yeah, that, like got him some attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it feels like he's repeating himself. And like right now, he's fucking attached to fucking Beetlejuice too. No, he's not attached like, to it. He filmed it. He filmed it already. He filmed it. Yeah, they... I just I I honestly I was like I am not gonna believe that movie exists until it is like out. Like, because mm-hmm. I'm just like, how do you do? What? How do you? How do you do it? Like, it's been so long. I know because remember for so long it was like Beetlejuice goes Hawaii or something like that. Yeah. Which Kevin Smith almost wrote, but... Um, yeah, I, I would have... 
been interested at a certain point about that. Um, it feels like someone came up with that title before having any idea what the movie was. Oh, 1,000%. Um, and I would have been interested in a Beetlejuice 2, like, 13 years ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, Jen, like, Jenna Ortega's in it, though. They're, they're continuing the yeah. Wednesday collaboration, as well as the screenplay. Yeah. Alfred Goh, Miles Millar, who also um, created the new version of Wednesday for the show. But also, like, aren't people? Don't people like hate Jenna Ortega too? Yeah. She like said she. She said she, like, she had to. She, she. She gave her opinion in an interview. Yes. It seems to be the new thing that like sets people off about young women. Yeah. Um, people looking for an excuse to hate women, and like they, a young actress will say, "Yeah, you know, I wasn't a giant fan of the material," and they're like, "How dare you!" But yeah, it's like, oh, she felt like she had to preserve some agency for herself on set because. Uh, kind of an open secret that that set was a mess. Um, yeah. And ironically, Tim Burton helped her save it. So, yeah. <laughs> shout out Tim Burton. Um, yeah. And I don't know. People people are fucking weird about young women. People hate the fucking West Side Story girl too. Uh, yeah. A lot of she, she, a lot she's... of brown young women seem to get a lot of flack lately. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. It's it's it seems to be an odd recurring thing. Yeah. That. Um, it feels like it feels like TikTok drama though, like that, like the, like they take the clips out of context, they go viral on TikTok, and people get angry, and then yeah. it goes, then you get like weird people in their thirties who are also upset about it. I know so. it's, it's so stupid. And you know what? Even if they were like difficult to work with or whatever, not that I've heard anything of the sort, mind you. Yeah. Like, so, sorry, who fucking cares? Yeah. Like there are genuine monsters out there. Like who fucking gives a shit? Yeah. Sorry. People are. People are weird. Yeah. Uh, Jenna Ortega could work with Wes Anderson. She could totally Probably hit right. those fucking marks. I don't, is there anyone that can't work with Wes Anderson? I don't know. Other than, Gene, just... Hack- other than Gene Hackman. <laughs> well, Gene Hackman couldn't work with anyone. You know the fucking Crimson Tide story, right? Um, You must have told me it, but I've already forgotten. Fuck it. Let's do it again. I love it. So uh, Tony Scott and his team, they welcoming Gene Hackman to like the production rooms, right? And he's like, oh... Uh, Gene, these are the storyboards we're going to shoot. We're going to get you from these angles. We're going to oh, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not doing any of those shots on the board. Yeah. And then he walks out and they're like, don't show him <laughs> yeah. any more storyboards ever. That That's a similar, there's a similar with uh, Quick and the Dead where uh, Sam Raimi was like, now here's, we got to do these setups and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And oh no, he just, just fucking like, hates storyboards. Yeah. And it, it, well, he didn't even show story. He's just like, yeah, we're just going to do this insert and we're going to do this. And Gene Hagman was just like, no. <laughs> My God. Yeah, tough customer, that genius. Yeah, one of the greatest actors to ever do it, truly. I am glad he's not working anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that is is honestly why the friendship between Wes Anderson and uh, Bill Murray exists, because allegedly Bill Murray, like, rose to defend uh, Wes Anderson during that nightmare production of the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, wow. Hey, people are complicated. Yeah, well, I mean... it took another aggro guy to stand up to the other aggro guy on set. So that's not, that's not the most shocking thing. What's the Pacific Rim quote? It's like to defeat monsters. We created monsters of our own. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gene Hackman. The only one, only Gene, only Bill Murray can defeat Gene Hackman. Like, but let them fight. Let them fight. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I think we're discovering that everyone can work with Wes Anderson if they're open to it. Because, you know who's fucking terrific in not Ma- Fantastic Mr. Fox? Because he wasn't in it. But in, like, everything else he's been in, French Dispatch, Asteroid City? 
Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright. But Jeffrey Wright's always great. No, he's You're always right. great. Think, but like, I do think there is something about Wes Anderson where, I mean, Gene Hackman works in the Royal Tenenbaums, even though he clearly hated being there. Yeah, like, yeah. It's Wes Anderson can make the stuff work. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I mean, is this the only time? He, this has got to be the only time he worked with Clooney and Streep, correct? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, that, and that's kind of crazy that that is that this is the one. Like, it is, and they're both really good. Like, I know people kind of yeah. like get maybe a little tired of Meryl Streep. Um, mm-hmm. She's terrific this season on uh, Only Murders in the Building. By the way, for people that yeah. watch that, well, uh, well, what is the what is the Onion headline about Meryl Streep where it was like? Meryl Streep uh, acquitted of murder because she has no peers. <laughs> That's very funny. I'd never heard that one. <laughs> it was funny. It used to go around every now and then. But, uh, um, but yeah, she's yeah. really terrific. She gives like this really soulful performance, and like there's a real like tragedy because uh, Mr. Fox keeps fucking going back to his old ways, and he's very selfish, and he's not considerate of other people's feelings or their place in the world because. He's very self-centered, and he learns to be a better father through the journey of the movie, yada, yada, and it, yada. But, and it makes sense for Clooney to voice him, because Clooney is in this... This is kind of that spot with Clooney where it's like, he's still riding high off of like the Oceans films and other stuff like that, but then people are like, yeah, but like, are you going to settle down one of these days, buddy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he kind of had that reputation at the time as he was getting up there. Yeah. And there was kind of a part of... There, he kind of had that vibe of like, he doesn't... He kind of doesn't want to admit he's old <laughs> but uh-huh. um, it, it fits really well with his character it does I just want to say I even remember like because I didn't hear about the pussy posse until much later for example right mm. I remember even at the time I don't know how must have been just through like news headlines on Yahoo or whatever but like like stories about like George Clooney reaches out to try to woo like young up and coming actress or whatever. not like super young not nothing skeevy yeah yeah nothing skeevy just like younger than him um, yeah, younger, and it was just like he got around a lot. Yeah, like, yeah. that was what it was. Which is fine. Like, I mean, you know, whatever. Warren Beatty or whoever the fuck, right? It was Warren Beatty who, yeah. who like slept his way through Hollywood. Yeah, Warren Beatty like fucked everyone. Yeah, like <laughs> including his directors. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, respect. You know, consenting adults. He, fu- he fucked. He fucked every woman in Hollywood and Elaine May's career. <laughs> oh. But anyways, George Clooney, like, yeah, like, uh, definitely a character. Um, but he, he's really great in this. And something that Wes Anderson did that a lot of animated movies don't do is they filmed outdoors for the outdoor scenes. Or, like, they, they recorded audio outdoors for the outdoor scenes and stuff like that. Uh, and even, you know, even sometimes interior scenes. So, like, there's that yeah. really funny bit where he's going to have sit down and, like, have a meal, Mr. Fox. And then it's like, you know, he's very polite and calm, well-respected. Oh, yeah, and, like, that... Anytime that makes me laugh every time with the movie, where they they're they're basically acting sophisticated like adults, and like they just their animal instinct just kicks in for like that brief moment, and they just start ripping shit off. And there's footage like of that. Clooney doing that, where he's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Well, yeah, they, they, they would have to." It's really funny to think about. It's so it's, funny, it's great, it's, you know. it's it's amazing. That's one one of Clooney's strengths is his willingness to like give himself over to directors that want to make him look like a buffoon. <laughs> like, no, it, I think that's a, that's the quality of a real movie star more so no, no, than that's like totally his charisma. Ad- you know, that's totally admirable. I mean, that's why his collaborations with the Coens are so good because like he's just so willing to be the dumbest guy in those movies. Yeah. <laughs> he flee- he flees to Venezuela at the end of Burn After Reading, like. <laughs> It's, it's he's he's very good at that stuff. I still fucking think uh, about uh his his lion reads in Hail Caesar, 
or like what he's just like he can't even like speak he's so like fucking dumbstruck he's like yeah <laughs> you know like it's he, he's an amazing comedic actor i i kind of want to see him do more stuff i know he's kind of shifted into director priority mode but i, yeah. I want to see him do more comedic stuff he's still got time like the cohen's the cohen's are still the ones that seem like they can get him to do stuff but um we'll see we'll see what's going on there the cohen's finally back together apparently i know well but... yeah I, I don't know what's going on but i like their stuff that was an interesting period. <laughs> an interesting two years, you mean? It was literally yeah. two years. But it was a big deal. It was like, they can't, they're the brothers. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone was like, that's not right. <laughs> um, I like that their quarantine movies were like, let's do Macbeth. Like, <laughs> yeah, which is a terrific movie, The Tragedy of Macbeth. You know what I fucking found yeah. out right now? Because I've been, like, kind of devouring Kenneth Branagh interviews because I'm very excited to watch uh, Haunting in Venice now. Um, he almost did a Macbeth with Scorsese. Oh, really? Yeah. I, this was, like, ten years ago. I didn't know that. Damn. What what happened? I don't know. I don't know. Um, do you know the famous... There's a famous story with John Milius where he was, like, pitching ideas to a studio, right? Mm-hmm trying to get his movies made and they were kind of saying no to everything and he's like well let me let me I got one more let me pitch it to you and he, he pitches the whole story and the executive is like is like look if that's what you have to offer I don't think a story like that could ever work and the executive got up and left the room and then Milius goes I guess some people just don't like Macbeth and he just he had described the entire plot of Macbeth <laughs> to these executives <laughs> and they didn't even pick up on it so wow like what then like what about Macbeth with like a happy ending? Like I mean there's a nineties adaptation of the Scarlet Letter with, with that has a happy ending. Like, oh Jesus. Yeah, Hollywood's weird, man. It, it's very weird. Yeah. Macbeth kinda of, I, I honestly I understand Macbeth is kind of a hard sell considering how fucking bleak it is. Like I guess, yeah. But I feel like if you pitch Shakespeare, generally speaking, you should just get the green light because everyone knows the story will work. You know, at no, least on the page. Like, in rotation, every few years, they should just be like, "All right, we're doing another one. Who wants to do it this time?" Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the beauty of plays. You know, you get to see different interpretations yeah. of them. Now, it's different with yeah. movies. Not every movie should have that. You know, I don't want to see. Actually, you know what? I kind of do want to see a different version of Fantastic Mr. Fox every every like fifteen years now. Well, actually, that. That's actually a, a point Tarantino made that I kind of agreed with. Where he was like, he was like, I want to see every person's version of Dracula. He's like, I want every few years another person to take a crack at Dracula, just to see what it would be like. And I'm kind of like, yeah, you know, I'd like to see that too. Yeah, like, I mean, there's some stories I, that are just so universal. You can kind of try them out in different ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and then you get Wes Anderson's take, and he'd be all fucking cute about it and shit. No, I mean, but, look, <laughs> you're, you're saying that, but I, I don't think he's just interested in being like quirky and cute. You know, like he, he Wes Anderson's. Wes Anderson's Castlevania. <laughs> That's yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, there's the famous <laughs> could, uh, Wes Anderson's X-Men from Patrick Willems yeah. back in the day, which is very funny. <laughs> it is. It is actually pretty. It's like one of those where like, it seems like it would be a little annoying, but it's actually a very good video. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but remember when we were doing that for a little bit? Now that we do, like, didn't, they, didn't someone do like an AI Wes Anderson something? Yeah, and oddly enough, or funnily enough, Patrick Willems, like, addressed yeah. that because he, he kind of started the Wes Anderson parody thing a little bit, yeah. right? Um, and, yeah, he, he 
kind of did this great video taking down the fucking bullshit AI attempts of doing Wes Anderson's shtick. Because, like, I mean, that this is the key to appreciating Wes Anderson, I think, is that it, his stuff isn't just easily identifiable. It's not just center frame, uh, pastel, autumn color palettes. It's not just the Bill Murray. It's not just specific actors. Like, <laughs> he is bringing, like, a real humanity to it. Some people may be annoyed at the version of humanity he's bringing. I find it very moving, generally. Um, and it's, it's, it's really specific decisions that you can't replicate. You know, like, again, I was kind of, like, geeking out about how much I love the character of Ash in Fantastic Mr. Fox. I get such a, a kick out of him. And just, like, little moments like his eventual, like, triumph at the end where he's like, you know why I yeah. can do this? Because I'm little. It's like... Artificial intelligence will not come up with a moment like that. Yeah. You know? Or even the moment yeah. where uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, he's like scared of like wolves or whatever, like intimidated. Like it's, it's an unknown factor. Oh, yeah, the, the, run it, the running gag. Yeah. The wolf stuff. And then yeah. a, like the payoff to that, like a, a machine won't come up with that, you know? The little, yeah. like it, it, it maybe will come up with the payoff, but it won't be, you know, Canis Lupus. And then like the little fist yeah. raise. And then the wolf does the fist raise back. Like, that's a human touch, you know, that's, it's so funny, yeah. but it's also like kind of in, like inspiring and emotional and I don't know. But the, the, the thing AI can never replicate is like, even if it were able to f- stumble upon that, what is good about a scene like that is that it's clearly like an artist intentional thing. Like it's not, you can't replicate the artist intentionality with AI, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing I think people aren't understanding. It's like you could, yeah, you could literally make Star Wars like beat for beat with AI and it wouldn't be nearly as good. Like, yeah. because we know it's AI. Like it's, we, it, part of what we enjoy about art is the knowledge that someone made it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like at, at that point it would, it still might, it might appeal to like little children, but it won't stand as art. Right. Yeah. I mean, but, um, all this being said, I do like this movie. Um, it's actually, it's very good. And like, even if I didn't vibe with it totally, the animation is just really nice. Yeah, no, um, it's it is such a comfort viewing for me for the fall season. Like I always kind of consider it a Thanksgiving movie. I don't even give a fuck about Thanksgiving. But you know what? Like... It would kind of make a good Thanksgiving movie because there's like only like three Thanksgiving movies. Yeah, so. it's like this: planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> that scene in Rocky where uh, Paulie throws the turkey in the alley, and, <laughs> and Michael Mann's Heat. Yeah, uh, sure. I don't yeah. know why. I'd always just considered it that. I I could not uh, begin to explain why I feel that. Yeah, sure, buddy. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, oh, uh, just the last thing on Fantastic Mr. Fox. I also like how utterly violent it is. And it's just like, oh, oh we yeah. just accept it. Like, no one really questions it. I haven't heard any complaints well, that's, ever about it. That's another Wes Anderson thing where, like, his movies will just get violent out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like, there's that great bit in uh, Life Aquatic. Which, uh, spoilers for Life Aquatic. You should watch it. It's a very good movie uh, where the helicopter crashes. And then Owen Wilson and Bill Murray kind of float. They're like, okay, they're going to get to safety. And then the water under Owen Wilson starts getting red, like, immediately because yeah. he's bleeding to death. And it's just like, oh, sh-. like, it, it's fucking soul-crushing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then here, it's it's more funny, the violence. Like, uh, even when they're, like, killing, like, squabs or chickens or whatever. And then, like, you know, Fantasmus Fox does it really easily. And then Kylie, the, the opossum, oh, yeah, he can't, can't do it. He's like, like, I have I don't the same teeth. teeth as you. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, like... The bad guy's Boris Bogus 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 Bunsen Bean, excuse me. 
Foggy's mm-hmm. and Bean. They they start shooting like guns, like real guns. Yeah, there's... and they're like, kill them. Yeah. <laughs> like, good lord. <laughs> like all this stuff being said, which we all like about it, it is not shocking at all that this movie didn't make money. <laughs> no, no. I um... in, in hindsight, no. Because is this no like no offense, but this is like there's no way this would appeal to children, like. Like, it would have to be a kind of a very specific child, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Because um, the humor is very odd and specific. Yeah. But it wasn't going to have the wide appeal of other animated films. Yeah. But it should. We used to be a proper country. Actually, I don't know if any country would have accepted this earlier than it when it came out, yeah. so never mind. And it's weird, though. He's he's kept doing the animation thing a little bit. He did the, the Isle of Dogs, which um, I don't think we're ever going to talk about. No, but, I, I'm not. I'm actually uh, not a fan of that one. Yeah, that seems to be the one that like pe- like even people that like him are like, no. Yeah. But great animation, uh, but, but that's yeah. it for me. Um, but that's also the other thing with Ocean Anderson, where it's like, is it cultural appropriation? Like, you yeah. know, there's that discussion every few years. Yeah. Uh, which. Um, uh, I, I think it's just a reminder that at, at the end of the day, he is a dumb white guy. But like, yeah. I think sometimes people don't want to accept that about their artists they like. Mm-hmm. But, um, hey. 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 Yeah, Fantastic hey. Mr. Fox. Thumbs up, everyone. We did it. Sure. I like it. I do like the movie. Okay. I'm just like, I just, the, I, I'm just not fist pumping about it. Yeah, that's fine. Know? That's fine. I will fist pump about it. Music's very good too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, another shout out. So, yeah, um, wonderful movie. Wonderful little film. I'm glad we ended the official. One could say, one could say it was a fantastic film. One could say. I'm just gonna let you sit there was... for a bit. <laughs> Um, anyway, what are we doing next? Oh, yeah, so we're going to actually add two episodes to this retrospective. I will tell you the next one, and I'm going to keep the other one secret. Although, I, mm. I might give it away beforehand, because I'm excited about mm. it. But I'm also excited about the next movie, which is the movie that lost to Fantastic Mr. Fox, because Matt really wanted to talk about it. And, again, we were very scared that this series wouldn't have enough to talk about. We were, thankfully, wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. But we're going to talk about Rock and Bullwinkle. Very... Yeah, we're doing Rocky and Bullwinkle. But yes, this has actually been a very uh, good series, I think. I think I've enjoyed every uh, every movie we've done, basically, and every discussion. Yeah. Um, this was the only one I was kind of nervous about, ultimately. Um, but I think it went well, so... I think so, too. And I just want to share, uh, when we did the bracket back in July, um, and uh, I was getting angry at the results, <laughs> um, uh, our friend Ethan retweeted me. And uh, he retweeted some of my anger and quote tweeted and wrote, Matt, when Rocky and Bullwinkle episode airs anyway, and it's the Donald Trump tweet that says, I won this election by a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he he was right. He he was right. Um, But so, yes, we are doing Rocky and Bullwinkle (laughs) because we we, how could we not, Diego? (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie? Long ago. It'll basically be like a first time watch for me. You are in for a wild ride. (laughs) I remember the commercials. It was oddly advertised heavily. They're like, kids like Rocky and Bullwinkle, right? 
Well, you, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I yeah. think that's the start of Boomerang. Not because of the movie, mm. but around that time. And yeah, no, we can talk yeah. about it. We can we can talk about it, there, definitely. There, there, there's oh. stuff with that old Hanna-Barbera. Hanna-Barbera? Oh, yeah. Hanna and Barbera. Yeah. All right, Matt, thanks for joining me. Thanks for talking about Wes Anderson this one time and then never again. Yes, we will never discuss a Wes Anderson movie ever again because I basically said everything I want to say about Wes Anderson in this episode. Go watch Asteroid City, everyone. But also, I just want to make it very clear, if this is your favorite Wes Anderson movie, you're a furry. But, um, hey. Uh, Yeah, I was waiting for it. I was like, is it going to happen? Did he forget? (laughs) No, no, I, I, I... I've been teasing Diego all week I was going to make this episode about furries, but I, I honestly didn't have anything to say. Like, because I'm not going to look into it that deeply. <laughs> How's that? I did, I did send, a, I sent a screenshot to you of some guy breaking that stuff down. <laughs> so, there's a guy online who, like, breaks down that sort of shit. So, what's his name? I followed him on Twitter. Oh, I don't know, but I, I see the, the thing. I might have to use that image for, like, the... Yeah, it's a, it, it's a pretty funny image. <laughs> uh, his name is... He goes by Professor Lando. Oh, definitely don't know that guy. Uh, yeah, he's uh, just some guy who does, like, videos about that and, like, like weird niche kinks online that are specifically kind of tied to the anime community, it feels like. Oh, okay. And, and so I'm like, okay, I can watch this guy's video, so I don't have to do any research. <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to ruin my Google algorithm looking stuff up. <laughs> but uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, another talking animal movie. Yeah. So unfortunately. Oh, trends. hey, wait, wait, wait. There's a. There, oh God, what was it? There's one thing that I was surprised to see that crossed over specifically with the Hugo episode. Um, um, oh, Helen, Helen McCroy, um, the recently departed Helen McCroy, who was in Hugo, is, uh, as, uh, what's her name, is in this. Oh, yeah, She was the yeah. voice, she was the voice of, uh, uh, the farmer's wife. Sorry, I can't remember the character's name. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Bean? Mrs. Bean, yes. So, she was, uh, Mama Jean at the, uh, in, uh. In Hugo. Yeah. Uh, so, R.I.P. The recently departed, but she was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, she was also in the Harry Potter films, apparently. Yeah, Malfoy's she's a... Mom. Yeah, yeah, Narcissa Malfoy. I only know that because yeah. I'm looking at the Wikipedia now. But, yeah. yeah. Really standout character. I'm glad they used her well. They could have used her better. Yeah. You Fuckers. But I will say, I always did think the actress did a good job without even knowing her and her resume at the time. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. The actors always showed up and did their job yeah. <laughs> on, on that fucking thing. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, Best left in the past. Yes. Unlike Fantastic Mr. Fox, will which I will watch probably once every year, at least. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. But okay, next week, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Matt. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Anything you want to add before we head out for the day? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, we. I still don't know what socials to promote because of the weird fluctuating world we live in now. I know. It's um, fucking, it's all bullshit. Everyone fucking, I don't know. Fucking... Maybe I should maybe I should just start an OnlyFans just so I have something to say at the end of this. I mean, I, if you want, I guess. <laughs> you know, I, I 
I'll never do this. I, I thought it would be funny at one point to start one, but the only thing I upload is a picture of my face. <laughs> and, every day the, and every day the picture just like gets closer and closer in, like slowly. <laughs> it's just closer and closer. I don't know why I thought about doing that, but I thought it would be funny. <laughs> um, See, that's comedy, Musk. Yeah. That's, that's what's actually funny. You fucker. <laughs> All right, yeah, we better head out because I think we're winding down here. Um, yes. Thanks for listening, I, I, everyone. Out of steam. Like and subscribe. If you didn't like this episode, like and subscribe anyways. Because uh, you might find something oh to do like. Oh, my God. dying. I was stretching, and then I, I just leaned into the stretch more as I kept talking. I recognize yeah. now that that was a mistake, but whatever. <laughs> I was going to keep it in. Can't take it back now. I mean, I could. I could just do it over again, and no one would know. But I'm not going to. Instead, I will just sign off with We Have Been Professionally Unprofessional. Bye.